Happy May the 4th, everybody. May the 4th be with you. So we've got some special plans throughout May for all of our Star Wars listeners out there to celebrate the release of the Skywalker Saga on Disney Plus and to celebrate that May the 4th, we're going to be doing a different trilogy from the Skywalker Saga every week. And each episode, we're going to be joined by a different member of an Earful podcast. We'll have a different Matt on each week to cover the prequels, the sequels, and the original trilogy. This first one is the prequel trilogy, and our guest this week is Matt Pearson. Hope you enjoy. Into the episode. We're not in- <laughs> Welcome back to Get Real, the podcast where we get real about all of our favourite pop culture movies and TV shows. As with me, as always, is my co-host and Padawan, Chris. Hello, and also with me is the most prequelist member of an Earful podcast. We've got Matt with us. Hello there. How are you doing, mate? I'm not bad, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How's the lockdown treating you? Horrible, but good at the same time. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling that. Well, it has freed up plenty of time to watch three Star Wars films in one day, I will say. Yeah, I did that. I forced myself to sit through all three. As soon as Sam messaged me, sent him a photo, I'm already watching it. Don't worry. Yeah, nice. Nice. That's commitment, that. It was a brutal six hours, that. I did it. <laughs> I did it over two days, and it was such a struggle. But we got there, and we can make a podcast episode out of it, guys. So, Matt... Pearson, because there's three mats in your podcast that we, we mentioned on our intro, which is getting a bit, it will be a bit confusing for listeners, no doubt, but we'll, yeah. we'll get there. You'll, yeah, you'll get it. Yeah, we're talking all about the prequels. So episode one, episode two, episode three, a very controversial three films, some would say. What are your thoughts on the prequels in general, Matt? Wait, before we get into it, before Ooh, okay. we get into it, obviously we're starting the episode. Okay, we're done. (laughs) Make a quick note to edit five seconds of the Star Wars theme that we're allowed to get away with here. (laughs) Sam knows what to do. He's ready with the sound effects. Just, um, it rips off a a score already, doesn't it? King's Island or something. Oh, does it? Yeah, so you you can just use that one. Oh, he's dropping in some hot knowledge right now that we weren't aware of. Yeah. I thought I was a Star Wars nerd. I didn't. Well, it's it's music, so that's my <laughs> my intro to Star Wars. Before we talk about the prequels, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt, just to for listeners that may not have, you know, checked out your podcast and stuff. I host a podcast called An Earful Podcast, as you probably heard in the intro. It's about music, horror, and just we talk to people who are creative and we enjoy the work that they do. Uh cool. that's pretty much it. Sweet. And what do you think of the prequels? You'll find out. I'm I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not giving my conclusion first. (laughs) Okay, so we take this right to the beginning of the Skywalker saga. Now, we're not doing 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 7, 8, 9, because that gets a little bit confusing. We're just going to take it from number 1 all the way to number 9. So Chronological. Chronological. So we start off with The Phantom Menace. So Before we do that, I just want to state for everyone who listens to this, out of all the mats that are going to come on your podcast, I have the hardest job. I'm defending the prequels. That's, <laughs> that's got to be known. Look, Star Wars fans have come a long way since the prequels have came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. everybody hates the sequels now, so you're on equal footing. It's whoever needs to defend Rise of Skywalker who's got a hard job now. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I may badmouth the uh, sequels, but... 
Yeah, yeah okay. there's, good, there's good reason. Fight and talk. Going back to the prequel trilogy really made me realize how much more of a package it is versus the sequels. It's refreshing mm-hmm. to watch because the thing I hated about The Force Awakens, we're watching the same story over again. And it just bugged me. A droid has plans and we've got to go find it. Great. It's in that. Yeah, 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 totally agree. I've made excessive notes on Phantom (laughs) Menace. So we're going to pretty much work through these three films and give our utmost honest opinions and also just things that come to mind and stuff. So have you watched any of the Clone Wars animated show, Matt? I haven't. And I realized that when I was in the middle of episode two, I thought I should have caught up here. (laughs) <laughs> no, so don't worry, we're not covering that off because there is a there's about seven seasons now. We're on season seven of the Clone Wars, so it's just come yeah. back. But I noticed that because I've completely caught up with that, a lot more of the political points that you get in the prequels where they're talking about the Senate and all that sort of stuff, where when we watched this ages ago, didn't make much sense at the time. Yeah. But when yeah. you watch it and you've seen this, it's all pretty it's all pretty cool. So, yeah, we were kids when these films came out and like most of that sort of stuff just went over my head. I was like, just get to the laser sword fighting bits. Exactly. <laughs> this is this is why I was happily defending them, is because they were aimed at me growing up. Yeah. So mm. this should be easy. So in the Phantom Menace are two knights, should we say. We've got Qui Gon Jin and Obi Wan straight away. Um yeah. Anyone got some thoughts on the, that first unveil at all, or those two characters? Did you ever want? Did you ever play the? I think it was PlayStation One Star Wars Episode One game. Ooh. I think that's the one that I didn't play. Yeah, no, it would have been a while. It's ago. just I'm ju- jumping a little on the intro here, but when it's smoke everywhere, poison them essentially, expecting them to be dead. When mm-hmm. those droids go in, and you just see the glow of the lightsabers, it gets me so giddy. It still does to this day because I'm that PlayStation <laughs> One game. It nails that scene. I abused that game. <laughs> Speaking of games, you get a lot of force powers in games, but this is the first time in the film where I've seen force speed used. Do you know what annoys yeah. me about that, though? <laughs> Jumping to the end of the film, where does the speed run go <laughs> when they're trying to get through the red laser field? Yeah, when he's trying to run to catch up with Qui-Gon, where we fight He's just all. running. Oh You're a Jedi. Where was your force speed there, Obi-Wan? You could have saved him. <laughs> sake to excuse ewan mcgregor's uh performance he was a padawan still learning maybe yeah, he never thought true. of it you know it was true. a much better padawan than anakin was in but he was ready Attack to the take the trials <laughs> <laughs> we got told repeatedly he was ready to take the trials <laughs> i think qui-gon jinn is one of the most underrated jedis in the whole trilogy and sequels and what have you. I, I think, think it's because underplayed. he's in the least amount of films. Well, I noticed this rewatching all the prequels. My favorite characters die too soon. Yeah, like Qui Gon is definitely yeah. one of them. Yeah, hundred percent. He's really interesting because as a character, he kind of goes against the council quite a bit, and you get in the other films. So in the other in in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, you get that, but it's quite frowned upon. Yeah. But in the way that he does it, it's almost like he's setting a good example for Obi-Wan. It's quite, yeah, I, I really like his character. It's I, like I, he holds his morals, isn't it? And Yeah, it's like he knows what's going on. He knows what's going on, doesn't he? He knows the deal. He knows to get what you want and to get things done right, you've got to make choices. He seems the most level-headed out of all of the Jedi that we see. Yeah. Plus, he figures out how to 
taught from the dead. Come on. Yeah, without being taught, didn't he? Like, right. So that's in my notes, right? <laughs> we're just jumping the gun. Oh, right we'll, here. We'll, we'll get. We'll get to it. 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 Basically, Qui Gon's a badass. It's all agreed. Yeah. We're all in agreement on that. I didn't notice as well until I watched it this time. You know the pilot at the beginning? It was Brona Gallagher. She's She was like the druggie in Pulp Fiction, and she's in loads of British comedies and stuff. Like She always plays like the Irish mum in every British comedy. And I didn't oh, realise it was her until I rewatched it. I did feel like I anyway. recognised her when, when she, yeah. tur- she turns to the side and speaks. I was yeah. a bit like, why does she feel familiar? But, yeah, she's um, the word uh, that... She's the one with all the she's the one with all the piercings, isn't she? So the Phantom Menace came out in nineteen ninety nine. I didn't realise it was that long ago that it came out. It really yeah. holds up considering, to be fair, in terms of I know obviously it's been remastered and stuff, but in terms of the effects and visuals on it, it looks awesome for nineteen ninety nine. The only bits that don't really work, I think, are the Gungan battle. The yeah. CGI is ropey on that. Mm. Like having an entirely CG character in Jar Jar Binks. Woof. Woof. You've got to think they probably filmed it in 97, 98, and then it was released in 99, and they're trying to make a full CG character back then. Woof. Imagine having to render that. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> right. I know they had like, a guy on set. I'm done for the weekend. When I get back, we'll have five seconds of Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine somebody must have had to render like five seconds at a time onto a floppy disk. <laughs> like, How does it look? it's mad but did you know matt do you know all about the the armored best stuff with jar jar binks is this that he's secretly a sith lord (laughs) (laughs) i knew about that i was gonna mention so i actually have this in my notes about jar jar because i've just watched the films but the thing i like about all the prequels is they reference things and you go well what's that and Mm. then google it and then you're all of a sudden deep into the star wars canon and clone wars pops up all the time and that's the reason I want to watch it, but... There is a little hint that Jar Jar actually knows what he's doing all the time, and yeah. he's manipulating everyone just yeah. like Palpatine was, you know, pulling the strings. Which I, f- I found that theory funny as well, starting to watch The Clone Wars. I've just finished season one, and like he gets mistaken for a Jedi multiple times. <laughs> and I'm like, is he a Jedi? Is he a Sith? Is he just a moron? Which is it? Well... By episode three, he's a politician, so... Well, yeah. He's doing something right. <laughs> it's quite interesting, that bit. We'll get onto that, how he just kind of gets shoehorned into uh, a role to help Palpatine get to power. Yeah. And, yeah, just... Oh, little... Padme's not here, but Jar Jar is. Jar Jar, <laughs> yeah, get, on, that's okay. get, on, get on that floating <laughs> platform and represent Naboo. <laughs> You're an idiot. You'll say yes to any plan that we throw at you. <laughs> Start your sentence with me, sir, and uh, you'll win the crowd over. Yeah. So what do you guys think about the fact that Michael Jackson originally wanted to play Jar Jar Binks? Did he really? Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson, diehard, wanted to play Jar Jar Binks, and he, like, he auditioned for it and everything, he was proper going for it, and George Lucas found the guy that ended up playing him, and he took him to a Michael Jackson gig and took him backstage and was like, this guy's Jar Jar Binks, not you. Wow. That is actually insane. Like the king of pop, Michael Jackson, and like George Lucas just walks in and just mic drops him at his own gig. Mad. That's mad. Well, Armour Best came under quite a lot of criticism because of Jar Jar Binks, but he was he was the first fully 
CGI character in a film at the time, wasn't he? So it was a big deal. And there's all these behind-the-scenes shots of That's him. That's a good one, anyway. Yeah, there's all these behind-the-scenes shots where he's like got this spandex suit and he's got like a big pole up his back and there's a little Jar Jar yeah. head. And to be fair, when you watch it and you realise that that's all the actors are going off, they do a really good job. It's mm. he actually, yeah, he came under a lot of scrutinism, and it was there was a big article on it a few months back, or it might have been last year, or even earlier. Yeah, and everyone did this big movement for him. Uh, I think it was like at a Star Wars celebration or something, and they were like, I don't know, Justice for Ahmed or whatever, because he was he he came out about the bullying and stuff that you got from star wars fans so it was actually a massive deal at the time yeah it's crazy yeah. yeah i remember that coming out he was speaking about how he sunk into depression and everything like that after what because he was just getting slated online for what nearly 20 years yeah that must have been unbearable and he was posting stuff about he just sort of had to almost go into hiding almost and he's raised a family now and he's finally ready to like be open to the world again this is it imagine wanting to be an actor you get asked to play in one of the biggest franchises ever known, and then you receive this much hate for it. That's very much what he was talking about. It was like it was such a massive opportunity and he was so excited, and then that happened, but it wasn't his character. You know what I mean? It, it was George Lucas's mm, yeah. character. It's almost like he performs the motion capture and, you know, all of a sudden you're being demoralized and yeah. put down about yeah. the career path you want to do. And it's a shame. Well, it was like, uh, was it Kelly Marie Tran as well that played Rose in the sequels? Yeah, she got she a lot got of the same. She got like bullied off Instagram and stuff, didn't she? Mm. And it's a shame, really, because I'd say in The Phantom Menace, some of the acting is more janky than what the CGI characters are, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, like Jar Jar like, looks good for a 90s CGI character. Yeah. Like, complain as much as you want about Misa Misa, but <laughs> yeah, it looked okay. I forgot what R2-D2's debut was like. And I remembered when I watched this film that it's when he goes on to repair that ship when they're getting away from Naboo. Oh, yeah. Complete, I was like thinking, where, do, where does R2-D2 come from? Because everyone remembers that C-3PO is Anakin's droid. But I totally forgot that R2-D2 was just a random astromech droid. and Yeah. Just the the last one staying on that ship to repair yeah. it. I also remember as a kid, like, that scene was a lot longer than what it, what it actually was. <laughs> it was so tense, all these droids being shot off a ship, and it's like... Like, I had to go back and replay it, because I was like, I'm sure that's not how long that scene was, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you blinked and it was just R2 left. That's it. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> There's a couple of funny bits in this because you've got the whole Padme and Padme's the queen of Naboo, but she's undercover a lot of the time. Yeah. And interestingly, it's actually Keira Knightley who is also in yeah. there. I realised today, I was obviously I've watched these films multiple times as an adult and I know straight away like you can see the difference, you can tell the difference. But when I was a kid, that blew my mind, that <laughs> yeah. reveal. I was like, what? <laughs> who know? <laughs> like it actually blew my mind like but i've got it here in my notes as well when padme is dressed as the queen i can't stand a fucking voice <laughs> oh yes oh yes oh like she's <laughs> i can't remember even the lines of dialogue but she's so droning and yeah, stupid so. when she's dressed as the queen yeah she has like three lines of dialogue as the queen and it's i won't sign their treaty that's it <laughs> <laughs> i won't sign their treaty it's like, just talking your normal voice. Why is it as soon as you put the headdress on, you're like, oh, yes. There's a funny bit where they've not done the switch yet and they've just escaped and it's where R2-D2 is getting commended. 
and the Kieran Knightley, the fake queen, tells Padme to clean the droid. And it's like, oh yeah, you... I noticed yeah. that. Yeah, like the audacity. Like, I know. Yeah, you're I... in my spot right now. It's quite funny because, um, so my girlfriend Jess, she's never seen Star Wars. So as soon as I found that out, I thought that's changing. So this is <laughs> this is about. I think about five months ago, I was even speaking to yourself about it. Oh, yeah. What order do we do it in? Now, obviously, the correct order to watch is four, five, six, one, two, three, and the new ones if you want to. Uh, (laughs) That's that's how you would have watched it if you'd lived through it, isn't it? Exactly. But I I thought, well, this is a test. This is someone that's never seen Star Wars, never been interested in it. I'm going to make her watch one, two, three, so she can't judge them because I have no judgment to them because they're aimed at me. I, you know, forgive them and then enjoy the next lot. So seeing the twist in episode three that she didn't see coming, but everyone else who went to watch it does see it. It was, it was quite fun. But yeah. when Kira Knightley says to Padme, clean that Astrojoid, she was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and I never picked up on it. I was like, oh my God, she does. Of all the bits for her to have a <laughs> moment where she's like, that, I need to pick up on that. It's the bit where she tells That's what to she clean picked the up droid. On, yeah. yeah. So we get to our next planet in A Phantom Menace, which is Tatooine. And we get our first look at Anakin Skywalker. Not necessarily Anakin Skywalker as we know him in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, but we get young child Anakin Skywalker in the form of Jake Lloyd. The the worst version of Anakin the Skywalker. Worst. <laughs> I have to agree with you there. Because the first pickup line he tries with Padme <laughs> is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> It's every drunk guy in a club at four o'clock when he hasn't found someone to go home with yet. <laughs> Are you an angel? Because I've heard angels live in space or something like that it was. It was like yeah. like a kid trying to do 1940s acting. It was like the worst thing I've ever heard. I've heard the traders say that they're the most beautiful creatures in the universe. Also, a slave, a slave should not have that much confidence. Sit down, <laughs> speak when you're spoken to. <laughs> These are not the views of the rest of the <laughs> Get Real podcast. <laughs> so just whoa, to... whoa, whoa. I mean in that universe. Do not take this out of context. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Beautiful def- merch. Get it. <laughs> to defend Jake Lloyd, he actually got quite a lot of grief like what Ahmed Best got. Did you see what Jake Lloyd looked like now? Didn't he go to jail? Did he really? He yeah, oh. I'm sure he got done for something and went to jail, you know. There's a because the photo, if you look at Jake Lloyd and you Google image Jake Lloyd now, you get a mugshot of him and hit man, he looks rough. It's like Macaulay Coakland at the worst <laughs> time kind of rough. Oh shit, yeah. Acting fame. Like Acting fame for kids ain't good. Yeah, ain't child good. actors have it rough, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, he's got like a skinhead and a cut under his eye. He definitely went for like fighting or something, <laughs> but it looks like an under eye tattoo. <laughs> What's your thoughts on young Anakin, Matt? I hate him, but I like him at the same time. Oh, go on. What now, did you like about him? <laughs> well, one, I had that haircut as a kid. So <laughs> I somewhat resonate with the character, although I never speak to women like that. And um, just how whiny Hayden Christian is in number two makes me defend this Anakin. That's and fair. It's That's a kid. Fair. I can kind of accept it. 
we were talking before the podcast about how creepy Anakin is in episode two. Right. And like, I do not like Anakin in episode two at all. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's a couple of creep moments yeah. there. Yeah. Like, how, how can you get away with saying stuff like that to a senator? It's like, what? <laughs> Anakin only becomes a likable character in episode three. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm he becomes the that. villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he becomes the most liked villain, you know. Yeah. Do you know, Matt, in this film we find out that Anakin's not born naturally. He was conceived through the Force. Do you Immaculate know the story? Conception? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know the story about that? Like how, it, how in comics it linked? I'm guessing midichlorians and whatever this uh what do they call it prophecy as we learn to find in the rise of skywalker palpatine orchestrated the whole thing didn't he so yep. what we actually get in a comic is palpatine using midichlorians to put anakin inside of shmi skywalker wow yeah i might have to re-watch the sequel and be a bit more forgiving and yeah. maybe like <laughs> this is quite a cool story all of a sudden as we move on into episode two and three, there's a lot of conversation between Anakin and Palpatine where Palpatine calls him son a lot. And it kind of makes you think like he obviously, he obviously put the baby in there. And he put it in there. He put it in there. Yeah. It's all swirly. (laughs) He definitely did. Swirly force magic. It's so convoluted, but at the same time, like in the grand scheme of things, it does kind of make sense because he is talking about, the creation of life and not just like being able to preserve life but create yeah, life at he does the same say time. that and it, again it links back it's one of them i think you get you more just overlook of... that it's the tragedy of darth plagueis life yeah. is what it is yeah you just overlook when he mentions that and now that you've said that and i'll re-watch these again in about five years i'll go mm. oh yeah it's there definitely... it is yeah, it's definitely one of them. You get more out of the prequels when you go back and watch them and know about other stuff. It mm-hmm. almost becomes more forgiving that you know it's not just midichlorians and that's not just the reason why Anakin's born. You know there's more to it there. And it, it makes the whole midichlorians thing more forgiving because people did not like that when this film came out at all. People didn't like it. I was about to say, how did we feel about the introduction of midichlorians as opposed to just the force being the force flowing through every living thing. Now it's tiny microscopic creatures flowing through every living thing. I preferred it because in real life I was born into a Christian household and now I'm atheist. And I prefer science than, oh, I believe this and I just believe it. So for, for me, I was like, yeah, that makes more sense to me. Yeah, I think that's a really okay. interesting point of view because I was just thinking then, like, midichlorians is like looking at the force from a science perspective rather than looking at it from a Jedi perspective. And exactly, that's yeah. All essentially it is, I suppose, isn't yeah. it? It's an interesting. Yeah. Everything's atoms, so why can't it just be a different type of, you know? Mm, yeah. The Jedi's do get called like a religion, like, yeah. multiple times and stuff like that. Especially in Rogue One, where you've got like the Church of the Wills and all that sort of stuff. It is a full-on religion. Yeah, Luke Skywalker in the sequel calls it a religion. It's it's That's yeah. what it is, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. So you believe yeah. in something. The, the way I always thought about it, the reason I wasn't the biggest fan of midichlorians was because I felt more of it was just sort of this underlying energy. Everything is resonant, everything's connected, and it's just how you connect into it. It wasn't really a religion as I saw it. It was just sort of like the underlying energy of the entire universe type thing. Mm. But now that you like put the whole religion slant on it, I'm like, yeah, mm. yeah, midichlorians actually do make more sense. A bit okay, more I'll give them that. to it. 
I think yeah. it's interesting because if you got more Qui-Gon, because it's only really Qui-Gon who talks about it like that, he's like yeah. proper big on the midichlorian side of it as a Jedi Master. So this is again mm-hmm. coming back, like he's got a, in the story, he's got a really interesting point of view. It's again one of them, like if he was there to tell more of the story, you might have a really interesting twist on it before we move on to the next thing we're probably going to come up to is the pod racing sequence but just before we get on to this we spoke a little bit about this matt when we were talking about prequels but the age gap between <laughs> young anakin <laughs> and padme and how yeah. he rapidly ages by attack of the clones however chris do you know how old anakin and padme are meant to be in this film isn't she meant to be like older teens and he's like 10 or something very close so anakin's nine in this and padme is 13 she's a queen and a senator at <laughs> yeah, 13 a queen yeah. and heavily involved in politics natalie portman was 13 when they filmed this <laughs> was she she was she was actually 13 yeah, she was actually 13 i'm I, look you can fact check me there. are you serious yeah Damn. i'm pretty certain <laughs> like... she played her age in this film she was 13 I thought she was like 16, yeah. 17 no, or something. Oh, no, man. She's 30. So there's only a four-year age Jesus. gap between Anakin and Padme. So I think by the time it comes round to Attack of the Clones, Anakin's 19 years old and yeah. she's 23, which okay. makes you... It's like, hang on. At first, in The Phantom Menace, that age gap didn't make sense. And now all of a sudden, it really does. It's really weird. But At first, they don't explain that very no, well. It, you've got to. You just assume Padme's grooming Anakin, and that's all you assume. It's a cover up. <laughs> We're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Because he, he's like he's like child, but I think it's just Natalie Portman yeah. comes. He just hit that. Yeah, because foot. she's a queen, you assume she's a lot older. But yeah. no, like it, it, yeah. it might make you feel a lot better about that age gap that happens in the film. That's why they had to wait for the romance in the sequel when it's ten years. Just to later. let you know, the laws on Tatooine what? are different. <laughs> <laughs> What's the age of consent on Tatooine? <laughs> right. Okay. So moving swiftly on. So what do we think of the pod racing sequence? Now this is pod racing. <laughs> what did you, you know think what? of it, Matt? This scene. So I, I'm heavily. If no one knows, I heavily love audio and stuff like that. That's my kind of thing. The sound design on these prequel movies is incredible. I agree. Ben Burt is... I I watched hours and hours of just in the studio, how he recorded it, you know, what Foley stuff was used. And it it made me, like, enjoy, you know, the process of audio and made me want to go and do Foley for films myself. And that's why I did it. So this is why I have a love for the prequels. Like, you can't fault the sound design at all. For for the time, especially. You know, oh, again. 100%. I also kind of think maybe the music is largely better in the prequels. All my favorite songs are probably from the original trilogy, but the overall music, like, there's always amazing music in everything. Yeah, definitely. In the prequels. Duel of Fates heavily, you know, oh, tips the scale. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That, that's a, a part in my notes, just bold on its own. Duel of Fates. Definitely. That's it. Duel of the Fates. That's a, <laughs> that's a very different topic, that, Chris. <laughs> Duel of the Fates is a very different topic. It's a different episode. Uh, that's episode three. During the pod racing sequence, there's actually quite a lot of little cameos that you get throughout this. And the ones I can think of is you get Warwick Davis as mm-hmm. a spectator. Yeah. 
You also get, if you've watched the Clone Wars or if you've played any of the Star Wars mobile games, there's a bounty hunter that appears, Aura Singh, who is the, the white-skinned, uh, like literally like Snow White-skinned with yeah. uh, bright yeah, red Yeah, I've hair. heard of this, yeah. Yeah, she appears on the side of a cliff while they're racing through the canyons. And yeah. I'm sure she was in it at first, and then they actually just took her character and turned her into a bounty hunter, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a few more, but there was a lot of added added scenes in this as well. I'm sure they added a pod racer in on this Disney Plus version. Really? I don't think it was in the Disney Plus version. I think it's been, you know, like George Lucas kept messing around with them because there is, there's like a CGI looking one, isn't there? Like the mm. character riding it is fully CGI. I noticed that when I watched the Blu-rays of it that I got last year or something when yeah. I watched it. I mean, you obviously get Jabba. You get a second Jabba. You get a smaller Jabba next to him as well. You do. Jabba Jr. I mean, that's the first time, apart from in the shots in the Senate, where you get another Hut, someone from the Hut clan, which is interesting. Yeah, in the live action films, yeah. You get loads yeah. of them in the animated stuff. Yeah. This is one thing I noticed re-watching these. Am I right in saying the person that owns Anakin and his mother, his he's a Hut as well? I'm sure they mentioned his surname being the Hut, but later uh, on when Qui-Gon threatens him, he says, do you want me to take this to the Huts?" And it just yeah. gave me a lot of confusion. I think the Huts is a general name for um, all the crime lords on Tatooine. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's also a race, but it's also a crime family because they speak Hutties, I think is the language that they speak. So it's like a bit weird. It's like between the... You can tell we're just ultimate star wars nerds like we need a pop quiz for star wars facts (laughs) (laughs) this is why i ask questions because this is what i love about star wars like i've been playing the latest star wars game that came out and it'll reference something and immediately google it and then there's wikipedia and i'm like great let's have a look into this so watto doesn't have a surname just Watto. all right okay Um, i'm wrong then maybe i misheard so he bought them from uh Gradula the Hut. So another big thing about the Phantom Menace that changed while we're speaking of changes is the old Yoda to the new CGI Yoda. I think that's the best change that they've done. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I like this Yoda, and um, me and my brother speak about the Star Wars franchise a lot. He prefers the puppet Yoda, and it shocked me. So I don't know if that's because there's an age difference there. My brother's 10 years older than I am, and Mm. he prefers puppet Yoda. And it annoys Possibly. him that there's CGI Yoda in this. It depends if he's talking about Puppet Yoda in the original trilogy. Because Puppet Yoda's fine in the original trilogy, yeah. but Puppet Yoda in the prequel trilogy is very, very different. He yeah, looks he looks so proper strange. janky in episode one. Yeah, but it's nice because it tight. There's there's less of like a separation when you're watching one, two, and three that it's the same Yoda. It, mm-hmm. it just makes mm-hmm. it feel a lot better, I think, when you watch it. Uh, also, speaking about CGI, the bigger fish thing, how sick are the, the monsters oh, yeah. under the water? Yeah, yeah. yeah one's sick. practically a dinosaur. It's got yeah. arms, walks like a T-Rex. It's amazing. It's just underwater T-Rex, why not? Yeah, I'll take it. So I was really glad that in the sequels that they brought back Puppet Yoda instead of CGI Yoda because obviously it follows on from the original trilogy where we had the Puppet Yoda because the sequels were a lot more about bringing back practical stuff as well. That was really pleasing for me. But I think in the prequels, 
you couldn't have had a puppet Yoda, especially with all the flips and shit that he starts doing in episode two yeah. and three. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, you can't have a puppet yeah. doing flips and shit without seeing somebody's arm hanging out of it. To me, yeah. it's all about, you know, not being taken out. So if you can believe in the world, then great, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sort of excuse the change from original trilogy being puppet and then the sequels continuing to be puppet. It probably makes sense because imagine if you got to the the sequel trilogy, so you got to episode eight when you see him, and it was a CGI Yoda. It would look really different because it's much older as well. Yeah, so it made sense to do puppet because that's already around the age that you need anyhow. So and I'm a big fan of practical effects anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if that can be done, then great. And so, Star Wars do practical effects incredibly yeah. well. So that was one thing that rewatching episode one and two made me miss was the practical side of Star Wars. Because there's like nothing practical in those two films. There's a few more practical sets mixed with CGI in episode three. But like I just miss practical props in films, which I was so glad about the sequels bringing back practical props and animated aliens and stuff. To me, so, if you can blend both of them you get like a, a perfect world i'm a exactly. big fan of i'm sure you're probably both familiar with corridor digital yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the videos i love because they they do that don't they? they they make you love cgi and computer generated stuff but they use practical as well and see how it yeah. works together i've, I've learned so much about cgi from those me guys. too i've had i never had any experience about it i just watch it for fun and all of a sudden i'm like Wow, look at that smoke simulation. <laughs> it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like when you see full face replacements yeah. and stuff. It's amazing. You notice it more in films, but you're like, It wow, makes you appreciate amazing. it more. So going back to when these were filmed, the CGI, I can excuse and be like, yeah, okay. For at the yeah. time, I imagine mm-hmm. it fit perfectly. I was and a kid. Cons- yeah, yeah, and considering a lot of the remasters stuff just kind of tweaks it and it doesn't like, f- apart from Yoda, it doesn't fully replace very much on there. It just shows how yeah. much of a good job they did in the first place. So to wrap up The Phantom Menace, we've got a couple of final little bits to talk about. We have the Gungans fighting the droid army and then we also have the Darth <laughs> Maul fight. We'll do the worst before we do the best bit of this film. You're missing out the best part of the entire thing is the prolonged Senate scenes as well. Well, We've already (laughs) spoken in depth about how Chancellor Palpatine, sorry, not Chancellor at this point, Senator Palpatine kind of nudges out the current Chancellor, twists Padme into doing a vote. I plead for a vote of no confidence. And you see a lot more of that. When I've gone back and watched it, you see that sly bastard doing all this stuff a lot more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's, just manipulating it's, uh, everyone. You can see the chessboard, can't you? <laughs> yeah, you can see it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, and, that... and you get another cameo in this scene as well from John Burko with a big order, oh. order. <laughs> <laughs> you also get ET aliens. You do get ET. Yeah. Yeah. You do get ET aliens. Are they canon? Who knows? Well, they have to be. They're in the film. They have to be canon now. And in ET. He sees a kid dressed as Yoda and he, he yeah, goes he to does. talk to him because he knows him. A long yeah. time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> forget the Romans, forget the cavemen, forget the dinosaurs, just Star Wars. That's all we need. We to descended from Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need Alex Jones, we just need. <laughs> you can't really say Alex Listen, I'm a little bit retarded, but I think we descended from Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this 
podcast doesn't get like sly blacklisted for saying his name like some weird you're gonna get cancelled algorithm yeah some weird (laughs) algorithm that we've just hit up there right onto the gungans yeah did you know uh boss nas who is chris's favorite character because he does his favorite impression of him (laughs) he's just filled his mouth full of water (laughs) it's perfect (laughs) i also had to think i was like who the fuck is that (laughs) (laughs) you don't know him as boss nas you just know him at the guy as the guy who does that sound how is he a member of the Gungan race? Because he looks nothing like the rest of the Gungans. He doesn't have the eye stalks. Yeah. He's like fat. He's got eye spikes and everything. How is he a leader of the Gungans when he's clearly not a Gungan? Well, you do have like weird crossovers of races on certain planets. Crossbreeds. Interspecies well, breeding. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> how did a crossbreed become the leader of a thoroughbred nation? I don't know. It's like, you know, um, you'll get this when you get onto Clone Wars, but the Admiral Akbar race, the, the Mon Calamari, there's also a race called the Quarians who you see who have got, like, weird tentacles coming out the mouths. They uh, yeah, they yeah, yeah, both yeah. come from the same planet as well. But one of them is the leader and one of them isn't. So it's weird. Boss Nass, by the way, is the guy. There it is. I was that waiting is for the impression. As soon that as you said it, I assumed I knew who it was. Do you know who <laughs> plays him? Do you know who his voice is? No. Brian Blessed. It, it kind of, of looks it is. a bit like him as yeah, well. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> there you go. Um, in terms of the Gungun fight versus the droids... I I didn't think that action scene was bad. I thought it was pretty cool. For a civilized race that have like they've been able to manufacture underwater like force fields, like housing and stuff. Why are they all using spears and little <laughs> balls of energy? Where are your blasters? Like they're the most inefficient weapons that they've got. They're having to use slings like David and Goliath to fucking slingshot a little blue orbit a droid. Where are all your underwater dinosaurs at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What is it, Gooberfish? Just use a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> and you see in Clone Wars as well that Jar Jar Binks can communicate with creatures like that and get them to fight for him, so, like, why not? Can we talk about life. how Brian Blessed's character now, all of a sudden, immediately is like, oh, Jar Jar, you're good friends with these Jedi now. How about you're a general? You know, he's not earned that. He's just like, up yeah. the ranks, you'll be a politician next film, don't worry, you're doing well. You brought the Queen to kneel to me. Yeah, yeah sound, you're a general now. It, he he's just saying that thinking look Jar Jar's gonna go get himself killed let him leave him, put <laughs> yeah, him on the yeah. front line <laughs> by the way he gets he gets force mind tricked to fuck at the beginning of this film that guy Qui-Gon's just throwing out his force mind tricks <laughs> all over the place so this is another thing like Qui-Gon Jinn's clearly a powerful Jedi he's wise a bit separate from what the council have been saying and they get rid of him in the first film it, it feels like such a waste you know what? It might be what we get in the Obi-Wan series. You might get Liam Neeson come back because it might take place Force where... Ghost. Yeah, you yeah. might get Force Ghost Liam Neeson because that'd be really cool. I would take that where you get Qui-Gon being a men- more of a mentor character for a more developed Obi-Wan. That'd be very cool. So moving on from that, while we're talking about Qui-Gon, Duel of the Fates. Let's oh. talk about this Darth Maul fight. The thing that saves this film... <laughs> This is what maybe makes this film better than Attack of the Clones is the Darth Maul fight and pod racing. I watched the originals first, then prequels. Obviously, I went and seen the prequels as a kid and thought, ooh, shiny lights, this is cool. Taking the story seriously, I did it the right way. But when you watch those original three, your head starts turning because it's such an amazing universe that you go, oh my God, imagine loads of these. 
imagine the fights because you don't get such a powerful acrobatic fight with Luke and Darth Vader. Mm. So when you saw this, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, this is what I wanted. A universe of Jedi, you know, they're everywhere. Look at this battle. What was the first lightsaber on lightsaber fight sequence we ever saw? It was Darth Vader versus old Ben Kenobi. And it's not a good fight in the slightest. Obviously, it means a lot. But it's not like an action-packed fight. Have you seen the CGI redo of that? I was about to say, yes, it's incredible. Don't think I have. It's it's a bit like a just a, a freelance um, special effects guy did a retake on that scene, yeah. and it is amazing. I'll, I'll show you yeah, after so the podcast. It, it, yeah, it's, it's like they talk about it on Corridor Digital a couple of times when they talk about the, the CGI in Star Wars, but they got two actors to recreate it out, and then they did a full deep fake face replacement yeah. on Ben Kenobi. Oh, it's sick. Oh, wow. It's so cool. But yeah, that, that's more that. like what we get in the prequels and i totally agree one of the best things the prequels have going for it is definitely the lightsaber fights yeah it's 100%. the lightsaber choreography is just spot on and it only gets better each film the world building itself is really good as well like everything feels so grandiose and huge and big scale versus what it does in the original trilogy as well just looking at this fight in jewel of the fates you've got this huge room which obviously you've got more solid CGI where you can do stuff like that. And the music, man. The music. Darth Maul was taken away from us too soon. You're going to get a copyright strike soon. <laughs> Darth Maul was brought back. If you don't know that, you, you, you should just know that by now. But Spider legs. In terms of what we get of him in films, he was taken away too soon. Like... I remember. I still remember for the first time. So I didn't see Phantom Menace in cinemas because we were like four years old. Obviously, I didn't see it in cinema. I think I had seen all of them by the age of five. I had seen the original trilogy, and we had this on VHS. And I remember sitting there for the first time watching this, and like that moment where he's at the door and he lights one end of his lightsaber, and then the other one sticks out. And like again today when I watched it, I lost my shit. I'm yeah. like, oh. <laughs> And then that just became the most sold toy of that year. Like, everybody wanted the Dark Maul lightsaber. It's funny. I want it in the new game now. I've been trying to get it. It pisses me off. You've not got the dual-ended lightsaber? I'm very lazy with my video games. I'm just sat up here. The first hour, straight away, I was like, I'm checking every little corner. (laughs) And I found it so early. I was like, I forgot the dual-ended lightsaber already. (laughs) thought I was hacking the whole reveal you get of the double-ended lightsaber was actually in the original trailer for when this film came out and you've Mm -hmm. got people reacting to that like how people reacted to kylo ren's lightsaber that you first see in the force awakens where it like you get the little offshoots at the side Mm. yeah and people lose their minds over it people are like the thing is this was before like internet trailers and internet video was really a thing Mm. and reactions and stuff like that yeah so this trailer first dropped some people didn't even know they were making new star wars films until they went to the cinema i can't remember what film it premiered beforehand but people were going and buying tickets just to go see the star wars trailer a group of fans must have like been watching another film and then imagine being sat there before like elite a battle angel or something i don't know why that popped to mind and then you just see a trailer for the avengers or something like that that you didn't know was being made and yeah, like imagine yeah. 
you're like, oh my god, there's new Star Wars, and then all of a sudden there's a bright red guy with horns, and he just has a two-ended lightsaber. Imagine that reaction in the cinema. I remember going watching some terrible horror movie with my partner, and I'm a massive fan of The Shining, and I saw a Doctor Sleep trailer pop up, and I thought, what on earth is going on? I had no idea. So that was on like a little scale. Imagine having no communication, you've waited years about a franchise you love, and then boom. I would have loved to have been at like in the cinema for that moment look we've got a lot to talk about still so (laughs) to to finish off the phantom menace i mean we've already touched on little bits and bobs of the others but the last note i made about the phantom menace was the ending parade and i noted this and said you can't end star wars on a bad note i.e qui-gon's death you can't go avengers infinity war it that would essentially be what you would (laughs) do if you ended it on that so yeah that that helps you forgive that parade bit at the end a little bit more because it wouldn't be very Star Wars. Peace! <laughs> I've got two things about this ending. One, Qui-Gon, how come he didn't just disappear into the Force like all other Jedis do, especially considering he knows how to come back as a Force ghost, so he should have been able to do it. Why didn't he disappear into his robes? He's the black sheep of the Jedi Council. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the other one was... When all the Jedi are getting off the ship in the background for the end parade, they've got the stand-in for Mace Windu in. It's not actual Samuel Jackson, and you can see him full-on walking towards the camera, this stand-in for him. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so painfully obvious there's only one black Jedi, and that is not Samuel Jackson (laughs) I'm seeing right now. (laughs) I had no idea about that. Yeah. Gotta watch this again. I didn't spot that either. You got any final thoughts on The Phantom Menace? I've got a few footnotes, actually, for that I've not squeezed Go in. Go so, some things that annoyed me is how accidentally amazing Jar Jar is at fighting. Like, here's a plasma grenade, lean on the tank, we're doing well. Um, is that Sith Anakin, Lord coming back out again? That's what's going on. <laughs> right, was that just a fan theory, or did it ever get confirmed? Just a theory. It didn't. It didn't get confirmed. He I want it he, to be real he imperson- so bad. He impersonates a Jedi in the animated series. That's that's kind of Ooh, where okay. it comes from. Yeah. Right. Okay. When Anakin is in the Naboo speeder space ship, whatever starfighter. Star- okay. There we go. Excuse my terminology. Um, <laughs> Naboo starfighter. I had just, a minute of it. He accidentally blows up the whole control ship, and we're oh, just yeah. supposed to be like, "Great, that Gungan battle was amazing." <laughs> And it's all thanks to Jar Jar all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. There's that's, just like yeah. accidental also, stuff that happens that we're like, well, that was convenient. On to the next bit. Yeah. It's like he's only ever driven a pod racer before. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he can fly into space, destroy an entire cruiser without taking a single hit and come back. Yeah, sound Wait, okay. And he can and also. And the other pilots are like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> oh, it's one of ours. <laughs> but that's yeah. another thing. All of a sudden. He gets this pod race, and then he's like, oh, I've never finished or won one. And then all of a sudden, like, well, a Jedi backed me, so I'm doing okay. Uh, and and his mum's okay just sending him out there, just there, <laughs> like, oh, you want to risk your life for these people that you met two uh, two minutes ago because you think the girl's cute. Okay, yeah, go. <laughs> well, the slaves, what's the worst that can happen? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I want us to rank each of these films. We're going to do it for the entire three episodes. Star Wars or Star Wars? What are we thinking for Phantom Menace? For me, this is Star Wars. So the reasons to watch it, the soundtrack, the sound design, you get acrobatic lightsaber battles, which on that note about the Duel of Fates battle, two Jedi 
take on Darth Maul, and Darth Maul's like, yeah, this is easy, I'm going to kill you off one by one. Doesn't that show how powerful Darth Maul is, that he can easily manage with two of them? That's a good point. And he's, an, and he's and, a Sith apprentice as well. He's just yeah, like, yeah, apprentice. master, don't worry about it. I'll go yeah. do this. Yeah, and they're true. still trying to work out, is he the master, is he the apprentice? And clearly, he's doing better than anyone. Yeah. So he's he's my second favorite character that got killed off too soon in, in this universe. There's also a theory about that because, obviously, the Force is in balance. So you've got all those Jedi in the Jedi Order, there's hundreds of them sharing the light side of the Force, whereas there's only the rule of two on the side of the Sith. The argument is that they're splitting their half of the Force balance between two people, whereas the Jedis are splitting it between hundreds. And that's why so they're the more Sith powerful. the Sith are more powerful, yeah. Interesting. That is like the that. theory that goes. Also, I love that bit where Qui-Gon is there, like he takes the minute behind the red laser to meditate, to refocus, to harness himself, to become a Zen Buddhist space monk warrior. And then Darth Maul's just prowling like an angry tiger, literally ready to strike. Oh, so good. It is amazing. I was on the borderline a bit between Star Wars and Star Wars then, but I'm going to give it the Star Wars as well. Definitely. Yes. That's yeah. That's three Star Wars from us. On to Attack of the Clones. You know what? I'm going to say it was a bit more forgivable in the second half to what I remember it, but we'll get on to that. So the first thing is the difference in visual effects, I think, with this and the first one, it jumps. That first scene you get where that um, mirrored spaceship comes in is just wicked. Yeah, and the shadows of the buildings and stuff on there. Yeah. 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 That's what I love as well. You got to see a city of, Mm. you know, these... E.T. creatures, if you will. I'll tell you what doesn't age very well, though, in this. Palpatine ages a considerable amount when you see him in Phantom yeah. Menace and Attack of the Clones. Ian McDermott, whatever you did in those years well, between... Uh, I, I think it was makeup. I think it was makeup because then you see him in Revenge of the Sith and he doesn't look as old as he did in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. I noticed that at the beginning of Attack of the Clones, they proper aged him up. It must be the same sort of stress being a Chancellor as what it is getting <laughs> married at 19 like Anakin did. <laughs> <laughs> that's what politics does to you <laughs> um, yeah literally yeah. my first two notes are big step up in production quality which like we had just suggested it absolutely is and then obi-wan's redesigned to just be space jesus <laughs> <laughs> which it shows the difference there because my two notes are anakin ages fast and it's pretty much competition between anakin and obi-wan throughout and that's what i like about that beginning bit yeah, trying to yeah. one-up one another there's a bit at the beginning, like straight away when Anakin meets Padme again and he's straight in with the you're more beautiful than what I remember life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've grown too. <laughs> grown more beautiful for a senator, I mean. <laughs> I've literally just got him her notices. Oh, the cringe. It's like, <laughs> oh God. In front of everyone, including his master, it's just totally creep alert. And what I put on here was it reminds me of everything that I didn't like about this film. And then yeah. a few minutes later, he says to Obi-Wan, I'd much rather be dreaming of Padme. How could Obi-Wan not see all of this coming? No wonder well, well, he knows Obi-Wan about Obi-Wan does kind of say, doesn't he? Like in the third one, he's just there like, I kind of know what's been going on. I've just been yeah. turning a blind eye to yeah. it. That's Which, it yeah. not to jump back to the first one, but... Obi-Wan is very, like, arrogant towards the kid. Uh, doesn't he say something like, uh, why do I feel like we've picked up another pathetic life form? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, the chops. Yeah. It's amazing. 
Obi-Wan is definitely the sassiest motherfucker in the trilogy. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's, well, I gave Qui-Gon my word, so I'll train him. Well, Qui-Gon's got his back throughout that whole film because he says to Obi-Wan, you've still got much to learn. And then he says to the council, he's learned everything that I can teach. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Which I think leads on to my next note. This contradiction of, is Obi-Wan ready or not? Is he a good Jedi or not? Obviously, that droid comes in and tries to, like, poison Padme. And then Obi-Wan just yeets himself out the window. (laughs) Like, you're on, like, the millionth floor of a building. And you don't know whether you're going to land that hit or not on the droid. He just absolutely yeets himself out the building. Like, if he missed, then he was dead. (laughs) Roll credits. Done. I think I broke some of that. Why isn't that like a super cut where it's like <laughs> a rated R version? Yeah, like the version of Phantom Menace where somebody edited out Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> like, oh just God. get the version where Obi Wan falls to his death. That's it. You just need to have the film as it is at the beginning, and then he just he just yeets out the window and then just falls and dies. <laughs> That's it. Misses the droid. Gets hit by a few speeders on the way down. <laughs> yeah. well, just- Ragdolling down. I, I don't think anything else I can say can beat that. Jeez. <laughs> well, yeah. But this then is... it's followed up when they finally like end up in the club, don't they? So they have the whole speeder chase fight, trying to find Zam, the bounty hunter, the changeling. They walk into the thing, and Obi Wan is straight away just like, "Why do I feel like you're going to be the death of me?" Is like on the nose. Speaking on the nose, he says straight away, like. Anakin says to Obi-Wan as they walk into a club, just like, you're the closest thing I've got to a father. It's like, just in case you didn't know how Anakin looks at Obi-Wan, at this point where they're walking into a club, we'll just remind you. He says it about six times throughout the film to Padme. He's like a father to me. He's like a father to me. He's like a father to me. But Obi-Wan's like... And then in Revenge of the Sith, he's like a brother to me. (laughs) (laughs) You are a brother to me! That that's what hurt Anakin the most. To be honest, I thought that was them because during the Clone Wars, they matured more. And he saw Anakin more on a level field. He didn't feel like a father figure to him. He felt like they were equal, like brothers. Yeah, that's a good So I don't think that was an insult. I think that was a compliment. What I do quite like about the beginning of Attack of the Clones is you do see Obi-Wan have an apprentice all of a sudden. And he's still trying to, like, you know, figure it out. It's his first ever apprentice. So you can see them having banter with one another, trying to Mm. one-up one another going, oh, I sense that too. And like you say, yeets out the window like he's onto something. Um, So that's that's quite nice. And then by episode three, it's like, oh, you've clearly got the hang of this. And by all means, he's dropped in the deep end. Like, he didn't choose oh, yeah, to take 100%. Anakin. Qui-Gon was like, in his dying words, you need to yeah. take him and train him. So He was you know, guilt-tripped he, into it. Yeah, he ain't got a choice. So, I mean, while we're on the topic of Anakin and things that he says, one of the ultimate weird things that happens in this around this sort of time <laughs> is the whole don't look at me like that, Anakin, followed by the creepiest face. She literally says, don't look at me like that, it makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and then the most I'm a rapist stare you've ever seen. <laughs> take a second take on that. I, like, I honestly swear they didn't shoot more than one take of most of these scenes. Like, they were one and done. Like, 
Like, Cannonball, let's shoot this film. One take wonders. It was also the creation of memes, this one. This was like the Death Sticks <laughs> meme, the I don't like sand meme. It was There was so much that came out of this film that was good yeah. for the Star Wars community at the same time. We got the Anthony Daniels cameo in the club as well, without the C-3PO armour. Oh, is that where the cameo is? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, talking to like a bunch of women at the club, and like when they start causing a scene and stuff, he's the one that gets the reaction shot of what's going on. Ah, uh, interesting. I can't believe I rewatched all three prequels, and now after this conversation, I'm going to rewatch <laughs> all three prequels. <laughs> <laughs> We're the little Easter egg hunters. We're only halfway through at the minute as well, so I jumped sort of straight to Obi Wan searching for Kamino. So he sees everybody's favorite. Everybody's favourite character in the prequel trilogy, Dexter Jetster. This is my yeah. next note as well. So, did anyone forget that he has a moustache? This alien has a moustache, by the way. <laughs> Every time I forget yep. he has a moustache until I see him. The only other one of this race that I've seen is in the Clone Wars, right? Has anyone seen his polar opposite in the Clone Wars? He's a Jedi general, and he uses two double-bladed lightsabers, yep. and he has four arms. And he is a monster. He is oh, absolutely I've got to watch this. And then when you see Dexter Jetster and you're like, it's this guy who's like pulling up his pants with one arm. <laughs> this greasy <laughs> cut. in a greasy spoon. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't get enough screen time, if I'm honest. He needed oh, yeah. more. Somebody's actually made a super cut. They've made Dexter Jetster a Star Wars story. <laughs> oh my God. That's it's like amazing. an 11 minute short film on He must on have YouTube. been pretty knowledgeable though for Obi-Wan well, to go to him clearly, of all people. Yeah. yeah. Like, what does he say? Um, the archives didn't pick it up. All of a sudden Dex is like, yeah, look at these marks on the side. Go to this planet. Like, well, no, that's what leads him to go to the archives, doesn't he? He's like, oh, oh it's yeah, from Camino. Yeah. He's oh, like, okay, yeah, go to the correct. archives. So, and yeah. that old crone, she's just there. She's just there like, it's not in the archives. It doesn't fucking <laughs> exist, does it? <laughs> and then a youngling proves her wrong. <laughs> she's meant to be one of the smartest Jedi that has ever lived. That's why she's in charge of the archive. And she gets proven wrong by a youngster. Yeah. A youngling. Well, the youngling also proves it for Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan couldn't yeah. figure out that it had been deleted by someone. It was a youngling going, you not thought about this? <laughs> that, Which... That's Obi-Wan been blinded by the Jedi Council yeah. is what that yeah. is, and the youngling's just there like, maybe someone just deleted it. <laughs> no, no, the Jedi wouldn't do that. It's just like, yeah, but what if they did? <laughs> I get why Anakin was so angry when he walked into that room full of younglings in Revenge of the Sith now. <laughs> <laughs> You proved my master wrong, I'm going to kill you all. <laughs> That's why he was so upset at the end. He was like, I did this for you. <laughs> yeah. Kind of really hated what they did with him in this. Like They turned him into, from the end of Phantom Menace, he, he had a lot of potential to become what he did like in Revenge of the Sith. But he mm -hmm. was just a total stroppy hormonal teenager in this, all the way through. I thought right. Anakin was 13 in this movie, because that's the way he acts. Yeah, <laughs> He's a late bloomer, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. It took until he was 19 to have his growth spur, and it took until he was 19 to have his hormonal teenage phase. Which is surprising, because he's hitting on women at the age of 10. 
Nine. <laughs> it's got no- nine, nine and nothing to back it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we spoke about a lot of the stuff that we don't like in Attack of the Clones. I think it's time we balance it out with some of the stuff that we do like. There is a lot of stuff when I went back and watched this that is actually really good. So I would say that Django, Obi-Wan and Dooku are the best characters in this film. Uh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Those three carry the film with like the coolest moments. When we get to Kamino, you meet Django for the first time. Who has got the most sterling acting out of everybody in this film so far, and he's not even a majorly important <laughs> He's the character. only one showing any sort of emotion, that's why. Yeah. yeah. His son, so Boba Fett, baby Boba Fett, is more annoying than young Anakin. <laughs> and he's ordering his dad about, like, when they're in the Slave 1 and stuff, he's like, shoot him, dad, go on, shoot him, fire now. And it's his face when he's like, we're going to go into the asteroid field, and all of a sudden this kid's like, <laughs> great. <laughs> Fuck off. He's just fucking like staring like he wants to cut a bitch and then he's yeah. just there like Yeah, kill him, yeah So I really wish we got more of Slave One than what we got in this film. I mean generally in the whole like live action mm-hmm. fan yeah. movies. I really wish we got like a little bit of Boba Fett in Slave One because those seismic charges when they go off oh, they the go sound off. design <laughs> is amazing. Like, the, the fact that you have that delay of when it explodes because the speed of sound and everything. Oh, it was amazing. Going back a little, though, I do love that they reference Sifo Diaz. And this is where I'm going, who's that? And then I end up looking into it. It seems like an endless world with Star Wars. Yeah. You look into one thing and it leads to another and then you fall down a rabbit hole. With that, they mention making other clone armies for other people. Where are these other clone armies? Are we ever <laughs> going to see this? Like, because I, I haven't seen any other clone army in any other sort of expanded universe thing that I've ever seen from Star Wars. I've never seen another clone army. The Cypher Dias arc is actually really interesting. Like, if you do get the chance, I think the Clone Wars animated series, I keep going back to it because I've only just watched it. And um, yeah. it links in so much little bits and bobs throughout the, the Attack yeah. of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. There's actually about three or four episodes on Cyphodius where you actually see oh, him cool. and stuff. So I won't spoil what it's about and stuff in particular, but it does touch on that. So you do get a lot of extra bits of filler in there as well. Yeah, Because it is just like, uh, oh, 10 years ago, Cyphodius put this order in uh, of a clone army for the Republic. And then that's it. And apparently, I did read he was supposed to be get a bit more information in episode three about it, but they got rid of it for some reason. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because they also touch on um, Tyrannus, who is actually Count Dooku. So yeah, you get to start to get this thread where you realize how prepared Order sixty six is from when the mm-hmm. clones are actually created yeah. because of all that. so And how they've manipulated it all. Right, I see. Next notes on here are more negative stuff. It's more about the pair <laughs> that Anakin cuts up and forces oh, over yeah. to. Let, let's just talk about that entire romance arc, right? <laughs> Get it out we of have the way. To. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've literally written, George Lucas is clearly trying to write Shakespeare here. It's like the worst Romeo and Juliet fan fiction I've ever read. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, it's awful. Like, he's clearly trying to be so profound with what he's saying. Sometimes, shocking. there doesn't have to be a love interest or a love moment for us mm. to get that people like one another. We feel like, we, when I watched it, I felt like I was being treated like an idiot. Like, yeah. mm. I get that they like, like one another. It must have been a direction choice. Everybody is so bland in this film. Like, I know they don't like the dialogue that they're having to say, but they're not trying to sell it in the slightest. Like, they're all monotone. It's like... 
it must have been a directional choice that you have to deliver the line like this because there's no way Natalie Portman, one of the greatest female actors of our generation, she had acted before this. She was in Leon the Professional. She was fantastic in it. And then she did like Phantom Menace and she was doing loads of stuff around. Kira Knightley might have something to say about that though. (laughs) (laughs) Let's clean some droids. um, Clean that droid. How was she so bland delivering these lines? Like it must have been a choice. But this is some of the dialogue that we've got from the moment I met you. All those years ago, not a day has gone by where I haven't thought of you. And now I'm close to you again. I'm in agony. The closer I get, the worse it gets. The thought of not being with you makes my stomach turn. My mouth goes dry. I feel dizzy. I can't breathe. I'm haunted by a kiss you never should have gave me. I hate sound. My heart is beating. Hoping this kiss will not become a scar. You are in my very soul, tormenting me. If you are suffering as much as I am, tell me. Like, even that, me rereading that had more emotion than Anakin in that scene. <laughs> I was gonna say, There's I more dynamic like range it. in that performance. I actually think you like this dialogue that much that you want to just, re- you know, you just want to re-perform it. Uh, it's just, it's Are awful. you auditioning right now, Chris? Is that what it is? You auditioning? Yeah, it is. This, this is my show reel, guys. <laughs> Can we make a petition to get them to remake Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones? Just with better acting, that's it. Leave the script the same if you want, but just act it so much better. Yeah, just just redo some scenes would be nice. There is a bit of a turning point with Hayden Christensen in this, where it's the bit after he kills the Tusken Raiders and he gets his mum and it's at the funeral. That's like the first serious bit when he's over the grave where it actually lands. The scenes around the death of his mother are his best acting in this. He shows real emotion. Like when he goes to save her, it's a little bit janky. Like when he's like, am I angry? Am I upset? Type thing. It gets a little bit janky there. But then when he's back in Lars's place, his acting there is genuinely good and you can understand the frustrations. Like, it's a lad that was torn away from his mother at a young age. Then he's been brought up to be told by the Jedi Order that any sort of emotion is wrong. But now he's lost the only family he's got because he doesn't have a father, he doesn't have siblings. He's lost his only family member. Of course, he's going to be damaged, but he's been told that he can't feel this way. Like, So you can understand the conflict in that moment, and he actually shows it, and I'm like, wow, he's actually yeah, acting goes, in this scene. It goes back to... As he's turning a bit more evil, the more we like him. Mm, and uh, yeah. as he's killing those Tuscan Raiders, the thing I like about the music score is you get the light motif of Darth Vader, just the subtle little notes yeah. underneath, and you already know then, and it's it's a nice mm-hmm. link. It's Yeah, definitely. And it's quite interesting, the bit that you were talking about, Chris, where he's back, because you see that where he understands like he's not meant to be feeling those emotions as well. Like Actually thinking about stuff properly now that this tragic thing's happened. What I would have really liked to see that would have probably have made that scene amazing was a bit of force anger. A bit of like mm. what we see in Kylo Ren in the sequels where he gets angry and he forces something or things start shaking and just give you that idea that he's really powerful. Or like when he lightsaber yeah. slashes up that. Yeah, just, some, just to show some aggression. Yeah, I think that's the best way of showing aggression with like these characters is to do something force related. That's all I put in my notes. I said that would have made that perfect because it it makes it feel more primal doesn't it it's like Mm. he can't control his rage like even Mm. if he doesn't like toss the hand to the side like you would expect with a force power maybe if he's just there like clenching his fists Mm. and like something goes flying across the room Mm. to me padme is like the fun 
energetic, let's do this in this relationship. And Anakin's like, I just want to stay in and read a book. I don't want to go to Tatooine, but we've got <laughs> He's it. An introvert. Padme's like, yeah, let's go. We've yeah, got to go well, save Obi Wan. Uh, we don't. We don't. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. She's really like that when we get to where this film gets a lot better, when they get to... A lot more Genesis. interesting. One last thing before we move on to the good part of this film. That CGI pear float, you mentioned it. She takes a <laughs> bite. She takes a bite, her mouth doesn't touch it, and it just sort of disappears, and then you see crumbs fly into her mouth. <laughs> it, dissol- <laughs> like, it dissolves. How did that get through? It dissolves more than Qui-Gon Jinn did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he didn't dissolve, yeah. so yeah. Oh man, it was awful. That scene like, is ridiculous. Yeah, like who gave that the okay? <laughs> who cuts like, a pear this, with a knife and fork? <laughs> this movie feels like <laughs> I've never thought of that. <laughs> Why isn't the pear practical? You could have done that practically. You put the pear on a string and then you just erase yeah. the string afterwards. It would have been less CGI work. But like we say, I don't think they realised that. The combination of the two, practical and they just heavily leaned on computer generated, which was probably a thing at that time anyway. Lucasfilm were like, you need to win some VFX awards. (laughs) (laughs) Industrial Light and Magic were like, we got the budget now, boys, let's go. (laughs) Ben Burt's just sat at the back like, I'm doing fine with sound, thanks. He's like, let me just get this metal pole (laughs) near a TV antenna. (laughs) We're done. As we get to Geonosis, which is the best good part, part of this whole film, when you meet Dooku for the first time, that he basically tells Obi-Wan what is going on. And it's the whole thing at the end where Yoda says to him that Dooku's turned to the dark side, you can't trust what he says. But he just told you that the, the Senate truth, is being yeah. manipulated by a Sith Lord. This is what Luke says in the sequels. He says it's all about the ego and the blindness of the Jedi. Like, they thought they were so much better and so much stronger than everyone. They thought, like, they were holier than thou. And the entire downfall came because of the oversight of the Jedi. The entire prequels are about proving that the Jedi Order wasn't the best thing. They were blinded by the Jedi Council. That proves it then, where the Jedi Council lie more than the enemies do in this. Mm. And like, like you said, Dooku just told the truth about everything when that happens though it also shows how palpatine is manipulating dooku he sees a clarity of what's actually happening but he doesn't realize that he's just a pawn in his larger Mm. plan Mm -hmm. it is a weird part because this is before all the clone wars takes effect so you imagine dooku's only been his apprentice for a really short amount of time in between darth maul and and now because we've got we've got to work out that that was a jedi and and then yeah, exactly. Dooku changed. Fell. Dooku yeah. was a Jedi. So is it is that like the last point where Dooku's like Obi Wan? If we do this, we can we can actually sort it out. And is it that moment again where the bad guy actually has the better plan again? Is it one of those things, or is he just trying to be super manipulating towards Obi Wan? Because it's it's an interesting thing with Dooku because he kind of sits on the fence a little bit where that is evil, but is he only as evil as what he is because because of, of what's going on? Because people allowed it to to happen. Yeah. And he he lost trust in the Jedi as well. So it's it's an interesting. It's like you say, point. he could be more forgiving towards Obi Wan because he was good friends with Qui Gon, and he mentions that mm-hmm. in that conversation. So he might be. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Yeah, that's it. The mm. more you think with the prequels, the more you start to like forgive them, I suppose. And I think especially with like Obi-Wan in that moment doesn't know that Dooku is with the Sith. He just knows he's left the Jedi. 
Yeah, he just knows he's working with separatists. Yeah. And mm. that's why Dooku's like, I'm going to arrange a release. And he's like, no, you're lying, you're leading them. It's like he is, but he isn't at the same time. It's strange. So it is a weird little... He's playing two parts, isn't he? Yeah. Justice for Dooku, is that what we're saying? Justice yeah. for Dooku. <laughs> Justice for Dooku. Uh, Dooku wasn't all wrong. <laughs> I think he has one of the coolest lightsabers, apart from Darth Maul. Yeah, that's true. His lightsaber's cooler than you realise as well, because... This is proper nerdy Star Wars canon here. He's got a different type of blade. So there's different types of lightsaber blades. So the ones that like Obi-Wan and Anakin use are like broad blades, like like a broadsword. Whereas Dooku's is thinner. It's more like a rapier. But it also, his fighting style, it changes in length. So you've got a greater reach and stuff. You don't oh, really nice. see it unless you're like in the expanded canon stuff. Yeah. But his lightsaber can extend in length so he can fight from a greater distance and it throws off your opponent because you can change it during the fight. I like that. Really cool lightsaber. That is very cool, actually. Justice for Dooku. <laughs> Taken from us too soon. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lee as well. Christopher Lee, oh my, oh, wow, fantastic. Everything he touches was gold. Anything with Hugh McGregor or Christopher Lee in this film are the best scenes. So yeah, the droid factory scene for me was really cool, seeing all like that happen, the variants and stuff. It's the first bit of funny humour that Hayden Christensen had in this film, where it starts to get a little bit better. He makes the joke about how Obi-Wan's going to kill him because he's lost his lightsaber again, like he did earlier. That That's what I got in my notes. That's so on the nose as well, because Obi-Wan pretty much does kill him. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Too on the nose. <laughs> I was saying to you earlier, Chris, it's like... Before they got to Geonosis, they took a big break in filming and yeah. everyone went to acting school and came back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like quite they learned how to deliver lines. Yeah, it was quite weird. From this point, it's just straight up. It's like you've got that, you've got the bits where the relationship between Anakin and Padme gets a lot better as they go into the arena. I actually really mm-hmm. like that bit and the music throughout this bit with the whole Anakin and Padme theme is spot on as well. Really, really, really strong. And um, the arena scene itself is absolutely it's amazing. And yeah. this last forty, this is at like the last forty-five minutes of the film, and it is absolutely spot on. And um, the music, like as they go around, the setting up, they meet up with Obi Wan again. You've got the creatures come out. You've this this whole bit is so wicked. Um, it's a reason to watch the film. Yeah, like yeah. if you wanted to watch Attack of the Clones, if you literally flick to the forty-five minute mark. You're going to get a really good film. You, you yeah. don't need to see the rest of it. You need probably see that the clones are a thing. And past that, you can you can live with with the rest of this, you know? Like, enough. there's enough between Anakin and Padme here to set up Anakin's fall to be really tragic. The creatures are sick in this. They're absolutely wicked. It has also got my favourite joke of this this episode in there, which is where um, Anakin and Obi-Wan are talking about a plan, and then they say, well, what about Padme? And then Obi-Wan yeah. looks up and he's like, well, Padme seems to be on top of things, and it's <laughs> classic you, McGregor, thank you. <laughs> yeah, they sidelined Jar Jar Binks because clearly nobody liked him. So they sidelined him, so then they had to make like the other characters funnier. So like you notice a bit of humour coming in with the droids in this one, but that's like the droids get funny in episode three. But you've got C-3PO becomes the comedic character. Like, you were saying that's the best joke. For me, it's when um, <laughs> when R2-D2, like, pulls his head off and he's dragging him along the sand. He's like, well, this is a bit of a drag, isn't it? And then he puts his head next to his body. He's like, I feel absolutely beside myself. <laughs> like, to me, like they I were love the, best the jokes. Um, 
when he's on the the other droid and he's die you Jedi scum coming out yeah. of C three PO. It's brilliant. Like, oh my! <laughs> and the other droids like, what's going on? I can't feel yeah. my legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm a bit slower. Must need to go in for repairs. <laughs> yeah, must yeah. need maintenance. It's like a different film. That's what I mean. It's so mad. It's like you get you've you've had Samuel L. Jackson in for like a film and a half of this trilogy and he only just gets his first badass moment where he holds his lightsaber in front of Django, and he's like this party's over it's like <laughs> that's what we needed from mace windu thank you very much but the one thing that i didn't have enough of from well any of from samuel jackson in this trilogy is no motherfuckers in there like there's so many times he says a line and you can tell like there's an outtake there where he said it like, he's just holding tell, like, back <laughs> Yeah, like when he's fighting Palpatine in episode three, he's just there like, you're under arrest, motherfucker. (laughs) You can can tell that he did it in an alternate take. He actually only agreed to be in Star Wars if he got a purple lightsaber, didn't he? He wanted a different colour lightsaber to everybody else. I like that. Apparently. Yeah. Which, on the games, you also got a different colour one, didn't you? You got a yellow one, which I imagine comes into the universe somewhere else, but you never see it in the movie. No, yeah, you don't. Until Ray's in well, episode 9. Yeah. yeah, that's the first one we see in the live-action movies, isn't yeah. it? I don't think we see any others there. Well, all these are like real things. The reason most Jedis have blue and green crystals are because they all go to the same planet with the same caves to get the kyber crystals for it, and they only grow in blue and green because they're like the standard ones whereas it's explained that mace windu because samuel jackson wanted to be different and he's like i'm only doing it if i get a different colored lightsaber so they've had to in comic books make a reason for this he's just there like he went on some like mad vision quest type thing and then found a completely different planet with completely different type of kyber crystals just so that he could get a purple goddamn lightsaber <laughs> of course he's like, the okay. amount of loopholes right they've that. had to go through for samuel jackson is insane getting towards the end of this arena scene where you've got an ultimate Django Fett pistol spin. We just need to take a moment to appreciate that moment. <laughs> yeah, he spins, Space that, Cowboy. spins that pistol around and holsters it. That's a, that's a cool moment. The moment of this film is when the clones land. So yeah. good. So, so good. It's the whole... It's so powerful when those gunships come in. And they start hitting those green lasers and just wiping out droids and stuff. They have like such a powerful intro. And so cool. And literally then from that moment to the end of the film when you just get all the battle sequences in the across uh, Genosis over the planes and stuff and you know, just clones versus droids. It's just You've got the wicked. tanks and you've got the battle spheres and everything. Oh, it looks so cool. Yeah, it's just again big scale stuff. You also get to see the chain of command as well, where you've got generals and you start putting it together. Yeah, you just see how calculated they are, considering they've just been bred as such and they've just been dropped on the battlefield with Jedis as generals and it's like, just go and do it. And it's like, it's interesting because Yoda goes to Kamino and he's the one who brings the clones over. And that's why they're like so respectful with him because it's like he was probably the first one that went over apart from Obi-Wan who went and brought him in, but... And yeah. yeah, it's wicked. All the all the clone stuff in this. My is my only issue is the fact that like the clones are full CGI characters in there. Like they're all wearing helmets, put people in practical suits, and you could make them feel a bit more real. Like that's only something watching back nowadays. Like when I was a kid, yeah, if, like I couldn't tell they were CGI people. I was like, yeah, this looks sick. But as an adult now, and you've seen plenty of good CGI, 
I'm like, mm. woof, like, they're clipping through the floor a bit, like, they're all doing the same animations and stuff, like, the light's not reflecting off and properly and all this sort of <laughs> stuff. It's like, if you just put a real guy there in a real piece of armour, you just needed, like, 30 of them. Well, like you, you just copy and paste those 30. Well, you get like, it's real... the difference between Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit films. Yeah, I agree. Well, you do get a real guy's head on a CGI body on the next one. Yeah. So it's about a, it's a mix in the middle, I suppose. You get a little bit of Death Star foreshadowing in this, which I remember watching when I saw it in the cinema, and I thought, that's very cool, getting it linked in. Very cool. And then you get the Dooku fight. So it's interesting how Obi-Wan says to Anakin, I can't take Dooku alone. To me, that almost reminisces a bit back to his Maul fight and how yeah. he got separated and it was like, that didn't work out. He needs to have Anakin with him to, to be able to win that fight. So that was really cool. Which again goes back to like how powerful these Sith are. Exactly right, yeah. What did you think of the Dooku fight, Matt? I loved it. It's not... It's clearly not as strong as Duel of Fates. And I forgive... The reason I forgive Obi-Wan and Anakin lying together, spooning, having a loving moment, <laughs> is because Yoda walks in and you, we finally get to see Yoda battle Dooku. Anakin cutting the lights while he's got two lightsabers as well. Like, yeah. like he's got a green and a blue one. And yeah. like, they give him the full-on hero moment when... In the next film, they need to suddenly heel turn him into the biggest villain in cinematic history. Mm. Come on now, like you're giving him like the big hero moments. Like you seem to like be redeeming him a bit too much. Like at least have him like fight dirty or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. We're gonna wrap up Attack of the Clones because that's pretty much the 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 best and worst parts of this film that we. Yeah. The only on. other thing is again the on the nose the final scene with. Chancellor Palpatine looking over the clone army and you have just the Imperial March play. Yeah, that's it's like, on there. If yeah. you didn't get it by now, <laughs> he's again, the bad guy. <laughs> that goes back to how good the music is. So yeah. Once you develop a good light motif, which is what, what makes me love this soundtrack and going back into audio and all that, that carries the weight of it anyway without having to be on the nose. Like mm. You're like a father to me all that yeah yeah they didn't have it's to like, do that because that music would carry that connotation yeah. anyway well that's the thing it's meant to be the hero army is stood there with like the leader of now like he's the one that's going to bring peace to the galaxy type thing let's play the evil theme <laughs> yeah isn't it interesting that this whole trilogy doesn't have a moment where you see that palpatine is sidious until it's clear to everybody else. They obviously look and sound the same. You can put two and two together, but it's cool how there's not like a moment where you see Palpatine talking to the Senate and then he goes in and puts his cloak on and then becomes Sidious. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's cool how it puts it in. Like, if you didn't get it by now, this is him. You know what I mean? It's, it's cool. It also makes me imagine you see Palpatine discussing politics with people and then I just imagine he's running somewhere. Like, quickly get your robe on. Got a video call. <laughs> well done, Dooku. You're doing well. I'm surprised he's, he's got not a quick gassed, zoom like... in at ten o'clock. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm late. Come on, let's go. Conference call. Conference call. <laughs> he's... Boys, is my audio working? <laughs> it does make you wonder, like, if you just got all like the Jedi in a room and they just got a picture of Palpatine and they just got a bit of paper and covered up half of his face. <laughs> 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 they were like, 
is got it? a second. Is, is it? But wh- where is he doing these Zoom conference calls from? Like, just check say, his imagine office. Imagine if somebody walks into the wrong room. <laughs> like, um, he's just Vader's got, like, having dark. his mask on. <laughs> just, oh, sorry, didn't mean to disturb you. You just see Palpatine with a cloak <laughs> on, and you see a hologram of, like, Darth Maul knelt in front of him. You're like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, wow. So speaking of Sith, we have to get on to the third episode, which is Revenge of the Sith. But just before we do that and we speak about the dark side of stuff, there is a dark side to this film that I found on Disney Plus for Attack of the Clones. It's the biggest crime of this whole film's release. And it's the unforgivable, rough, as fuck deleted scenes that are on this Disney Plus version. Has anyone seen the deleted scenes from Geonosis on here? I would have watched them when I was a kid on the DVD copy, but... I think when you remind me, I'll know. It is funnier comedy than the first half of Attack of the Clones. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm going to say, right, and you're going to thank me when you go back and watch this, it's got freaking comic sans to describe (laughs) what should be happening in the scene. (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. Honestly, just just go back. The the deleted scene is called the droids switch off and switch back on again, and it's it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I had to switch really? it off. I was like, I can't, I can't watch. <laughs> I'm done. I, I can't watch another sixty seconds of this, and there's only three minutes of it. So before we get on to Revenge of the Sith, we have to do Star Wars or Star Wars for Attack of the Clones. We'll start with you, Matt. Star Wars, hundred uh, percent. I'm gonna say Star Wars as well. Like you've got two thirds of a bad film here. It's tough because at the 45 minute mark, it gets very good. The action sequences and the lightsaber fighting's cool, and the whole I'm haunted by a scene. kiss you never should have gave me. I don't okay. like. Sand. I hate sand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. It's dry. It's coarse, and it gets everywhere. Would you like some purr, Sam? I'm trying to be forgiving for it, but I feel like I'm going to get bullied if I don't say Star Wars. So. <laughs> also, also, Sam made a good point before the podcast and he forgot to say it in it. Like, the absolute irony of when he's at his mum's funeral, he just starts grabbing handfuls of sand. <laughs> he talks about how much he hates it and he's just there grabbing handfuls of it. <laughs> How's no one picked up on that? Of it. That's brilliant. Thank you for remembering get, that. I get thought, get I the memes made, people. Get the memes made. I know. There's so many memes that were undiscovered. So, okay, collectively, we'll give it a Star Wars, then. That's fine. But are you as an individual, Sam? Oh, I don't know, man. It's it's a tough one. Like, when I was younger, I loved it. And, it, and to be honest with you, I just switched off during all the boring bits of this film. So... Yeah, no, I, uh, you know what? Yeah, Star Wars. I, I would only literally watch the last half of it. I wouldn't want to watch yeah. any more of it. Yeah. So, to me, yeah. a good film, you shouldn't have to switch off throughout any of it. Yeah. That's a good and point. there was politics in episode one. And I even sat through that and was like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's fair. That's fair. Cool. Star Wars. So on to the, I would say the best one out of the three. 100%. Oh, I mean, save your review till the end, Sam. Don't, don't, get, <laughs> don't show your hand your cards, too soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, spoilers. Close to your chest, Sam. It's got the best intro sequence out of oh, all of them. By far. Like, hold open. Battle Oof. of Coruscant, the Clone Wars are like coming to the end. It's sick. It's so sick. It's 
it's like just so full on straight into the action it's very much to me like the last jedi cold open it's yeah like that's one of my other favorite openings of the film but it's yeah i i think it's wicked i think that whole space fight's awesome well we said it with the jump from phantom menace to attack of the clones but again with the jump from attack of the clones to revenge of the sith the production quality just went up again like the cgi in this film is nearly flawless like there's a couple of dodgy cgi things but they're from a distance but like it looks so good that battle of coruscant looked phenomenal it doesn't spoon feed you you've got to do a bit of detective work of what happened between episode two and episode three and that's what i like about throughout the whole prequels these subtle references to other jedi these you know yeah this battle so this point here is where I'm watching this and I am seeing every single link in from the Clone Wars TV series. There is a lot going on in Revenge of the Sith that you get more out of if you've seen that. It's mm-hmm. it's funny to think that at this point in Revenge of the Sith, Anakin's had an apprentice throughout this whole time. Yeah. Like it, it it's it's crazy and I, I'm, I'm going to be careful what I say because Chris hasn't... You guys, I don't think, have watched all of it anyway. And we're at nope. a bit where it's it's only just coming to an end. So I'm not going to say anything, but it definitely makes it interesting if you are up to date with Clone Wars and then go back and watch just just this this out of the, out of the prequels. It's definitely... I would, I would like it if the end of the last ever episode of Clone Wars... Like the last like five minutes of it was like the first part of the battle over Coruscant would be pretty cool. That would be very cool because we join in the middle of the fight, don't we? Well, put it on your Christmas list, Chris. Put it on your Christmas list. It's <laughs> all, all I'm going to say. Pray to George Lucas and Dave Filoni. We've had your audition already, and now you're pitching script ideas. Yeah, <laughs> this is what we do on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I pitch script ideas and ask Disney to give us money for us to write Avengers films. <laughs> <laughs> To be um, honest, that's probably something I'll say at the end is what I want next in Star Wars. Well, there is going to be another trilogy, so it's going to be interesting yeah. to talk about yeah. what we, we're we'll, we'll have a Q and A session with you at the end of this episode. <sighs> Love it. Yeah. Okay. For those that have got through the two odd hours of this, then you know, hats off <laughs> yeah. to you. Yeah. Um, well done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to summarize the where they're up to at this point, Anakin and Obi Wan's relationship is much better, much funnier just spot on they're actually friends in this rather than like trying to outdo each other they're doing it a bit like uh gimli and legolas in lord of the rings it's a kind yeah 100 percent. it's a yeah. friendly banter yeah 100 percent. yeah uh, the droids are funnier like chris said that's definitely a big takeaway um you've got general grievous in this oh just before you do that can we talk about how amazing r2 is at defending himself Oh, R2 so is a, slick the fire. R2 yeah. is the real Sith Lord right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's been manipulating he from dirty. the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> right, R2 we've got to start our own fan theory here. <laughs> R2 is a secret monster, honestly. He's, <laughs> he takes out two super battle droids on his own, no problem in this. Yeah. Drench him in oil, set him alight. Yeah, honestly, he's a beast. General Gravis is a wicked character. Um, there's an interest. I remember seeing yeah. that design for the first time in the cinema and being like, "Yo, <laughs> yeah, like that's so cool." Yeah, what an idea, a droid. Yeah, forearms. <laughs> He's asthmatic, but you forgive it. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it, mate. 
he was organic apparently and then you see he has that heart and yeah he was made in and the flesh in the eyes yeah he like upgraded himself he like got obsessed with upgrading himself and that's why he became Mm -hmm. the way he did that's quite interesting that's so cool an interesting little fact is when anakin says to grievous that you're a bit shorter than what i expected (laughs) if you've if you've watched the clone wars animated series they don't in all seven seasons of that they never meet Bear in mind, yeah. there's like 14 episodes in a season, and there's a lot of General Grievous. Wow. 20 episodes. Yeah, there's a lot of it, but there's not a single episode where they, they meet face-to-face. Because I, I saw that, and I was like, hang on a second, no way. And yeah, it's true. They never actually met before before this. It's also a reference to layers. You're a bit short to be a Stormtrooper. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and- yeah, of course. And also in season one of Clone Wars, like, is it a running theme throughout the Clone Wars that Grievous keeps losing his legs? Yeah, Cause, yeah, because yeah. he keeps losing his legs. Maybe that's why he's shorter. Like each model, like they can't get enough metal to make the legs long enough. You actually get a bit in the animated series where, uh, and it's not a spoiler, you see General Grievous's lair, and it's just full of spare parts. Yeah, it's in season one. I've seen that one. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. He loses his legs, and he's got this little, fist doing my man. He's got this little henchman droid who always repairs him, and it's like it's funny funny stuff like a um, sassy little like nurse droid <laughs> yeah do you know who actually Even... voices him oh no matt wood from skywalker sound he's actually one of the sound engineers oh nice voice for him. yeah cool that's There's cool interesting i even fact. think grievous's bodyguards are cool yeah the that, that shows how so... good of the character is yeah if your bodyguards are almost outdoing you you get a lot of cool droid variations in this, as as well as the end of Clone Wars. You get the super battle droids and everything, but it just starts to like knock it up and just world build to to hell. Mm-hmm. Another cool little action bit that I really liked at the beginning of this, and it's such a small thing, but where the two uh, cruisers go side by side and they have that almost naval cannon fight between them. Yeah, the broadside battle. Yeah, yeah I think that's there's a lot of bits like that in star wars films between the ships that relate back to kind of like world war Two and actual military fighting and yeah. so like in last jedi you have bombs dropping and then you you have this whole naval side by side thing as well it's pretty it's pretty sweet it's almost like the small star fighters they're actual fighter planes and the big ones are like battleships it's it's pretty wicked yeah. little yeah, uh, yeah, parallel yeah. there especially in rogue one yeah for sure um yeah. Well, I, I was going to mention, before we forget about it, the fight with Count Dooku. Oh, before oh yeah, we of see course. Grievous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do, do it. it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> the look on Dooku's face when he realises he's been betrayed. By his own master. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's at the flick of a... It's such a happy, well done, Anakin. Do it. It's amazing. <laughs> Kill him, Anakin. Kill him. Leave your master. Shows how, shows how good the acting is. My notes on here is just like, this is the best in the trilogy, hands down. People are actually <laughs> acting. There's real emotions here. I don't need to write any more notes because this is good. <laughs> oh, I have zero notes about episode three because I've watched it that many times out of the yeah. three of them. Can we yeah. just talk a little earlier when Anakin jumps out the elevator, jumps back in, Obi-Wan pulls a lightsaber on him. He could have just ended the film and saved <laughs> us <credits>. a dreadful <laughs> story. 
<laughs> you could have literally have saved the galaxy in that yeah. one moment. And, and not have known it. <laughs> just erase the original trilogy. He just has depression about letting Qui-Gon down, goes suicidal. <laughs> but it's okay, because he doesn't know what he's actually saved us from. You don't need no high ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, like, that's another thing. So it just becomes then in like the Star Wars franchise that if you've got the high ground, you win. Obi-Wan in the Duel of the Fates, had the low ground. He was in a oh, hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, where, where was the high ground, I think? He did, he did a bloody flip over him, summoned a lightsaber, and cut Darth Maul in half. Well, low ground, mate. It's just Low just ground's a, the new meta, I'm telling you. Obi-Wan Such a bad way to, for Maul to go out. I know. Well, he, he did come he back He got cool robot legs, so it's he got, fine. He got spider legs before he got robot legs. Yeah, yeah. The spider legs were the coolest ones. He got two sets of robot legs, actually, interestingly yeah. enough. That's a story for another time. Yeah, this is on my <laughs> uh, what I want next. Yeah. So. I, I totally forgot that the Separatist ship crashes on Coruscant when I watched this back. That is pretty right. cool. So the bit that I forgot about this is the fact that they only end up landing like a third of the ship. Like the big main yeah. hull of the ship breaks <laughs> off. Like so, Completely think of it. Like off. Coruscant is uh, Emucropolis. I can't remember what the word is, but it's like the entire planet is a city. So the entire planet is inhabited, right? That is in the atmosphere. That's crashing to Earth. Like that's the size of like a city falling onto the planet. That's some like Age of Ultron shit. Like how many people died from that? And nobody's nobody mentions anything. Like most of a Star Cruiser falls out of orbit onto your house. We do. We do realize firefighters exist in the Star Wars universe, though. Yeah, and they are doing a great job. <laughs> Credit to our key workers. <laughs> another happy landing another happy landing we get a joke we get so many jokes in this first scene i think we've lost something oh no it'd be fine <laughs> <laughs> by the like, way isn't it weird how calm palpatine is throughout this whole thing if you think about any other politician during a moment like that he's just been rescued by two jedi from death and then he's in a crashing like cruise you know yeah. a cruiser but, and then he's just so calm he is secretly a Sith Lord. Well, of course. So I suppose, worst case scenario, you know, he can just go, I can get out of this fine. It's yeah. all part of his bigger plan. Yeah, for sure. He, he would just Darth Plagueis' his soul into Anakin. <laughs> well, that's uh, another thing, isn't it? He, he goes, oh, leave Obi-Wan. Come on, Anakin. Yeah, that's yeah. it. He's like... Leave him behind. Yeah. There's no time. Yeah. Also, so Dooku, he has the awful CGI flip. That's like the only bad bit of CGI in this entire film. And then... He just like lowers an entire platform, crushing Obi Wan's legs. How does Obi Wan just get up a few minutes later and walks about like you're you're in a wheelchair for the rest of your life? Your legs need to be amputated after that. He had force healing a lot earlier than what the Rise of Skywalker did. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so let's let's move this on a little bit. So a little Easter egg that we get after the Battle of Coruscant is that you do get the Millennium Falcon landing in the background. Yep is interesting it's in the uh bit where you see all the ships coming in the transports and stuff the millennium falcons right over there um all the baby talk between anakin and padme like those moments had they been in attack of the clones would be terrible but in this film 100 yeah it really does like land and i'm already thinking speaking like humans yeah <laughs> and i'm already thinking about that moment in mustafar where he chokes her and i'm like yeah oh it's so tragic it's really tragic and i've put this a is bit... the 
biggest right. reaction to someone saying I'm pregnant, just abandon the child and move on, you know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no need to take down galaxies over it. Just disappear. I mean, if you, you've been watching too much Always Sunny in Philadelphia with dumpster babies. That's what's going on. Do you know, I've never dumpster seen it. Babies. <laughs> oh, Put so it in good. a space dumpster. Um, it's like it's like such a hard balance between, and I'm jumping the gun a bit, but it's a hard balance of whether is Anakin's fall at that moment the most tragic thing, or is Order sixty six the most tragic thing? It's like those two are very, very, very close for me for this film. Yeah, I think like I don't want to do spoilers for any other stuff. So like, I mean, TV series, I mean, games, I mean, all sorts of stuff. I don't want to touch spoilers. Yeah, but once you see outside of this film the impact of that in everything else it's like you yeah. realize like how hard it is and it's like it's so solid i'm jumping the gun quite far there with order 66 but <laughs> it is a very dark yeah. film though 100 percent. you know it's, you know yeah. we're dealing with death a massive betrayal that's been in the works for over 10 years from the sounds of it mm. and from what you've told me about palpatine knocking up Anakin's mum it's even longer yeah. than that yeah. so it's it got to be this huge massive thing and that's yeah. what makes this film so good that's yeah. it and I mean to touch on the sequels a little bit it's it's one of those things where like you do forgive Palpatine coming back a little bit because of that but it's just the way that they did it. I didn't think landed as well for me. But um, yeah. there's a lot of conversation between Anakin and Palpatine in this, which I mentioned earlier. It's more in this film where you he mean, calls him son a lot. You mean the conversation about the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Well, while we're while we're on the topic of it, yeah. <laughs> if anyone's going to make is... you wonder whether he's a Sith Lord, if that's going to set your Sith radar <laughs> off, of course, a dark tale of a, a Sith if Lord. He didn't, gonna... yeah. How did he not figure it out in that moment? He must have had his suspicions because he was actually being told to spy on him at that point by the council. Yeah. So he really didn't like that, did he? No. And this is this is the thing is like you've got to remember Palpatine was there when he was a kid, and he's kind of been like this father figure that, well, depending on how you look at it, he is his dad, but it's his father <laughs> figure that he never had. Yeah. Where it wasn't Obi Wan who was constantly trying to better him; he was always trying to say, "I think you should be doing better. I think you should be better than Obi Wan." And yeah to be told to be like spying on that and to think that he is the orchestra of everything going on it, it like even if we like take a moment to think about that in real life that is like hard and i think the way they portray that in the film is 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 pretty much spot on like he has this really big struggle in the film where there's a moment where he grasses him into the council and then changes yeah. his mind and it's like yeah that that's very interesting that that scene where you have no dialogue and it's no music and it's just a drone while he's at the temple and Padme's at her her place and they're looking at each other across the the city and it's almost like that thing of saying wait if i do this i'm going to lose lose you and it's that thing yeah. of being like, no, I'm going to, I need to go and change what I've done. And he still it, struggles with that moment right up until he cuts Mace's hands off. Yeah. And it shows the conflict that he's actually having, how hard of a decision this is. Yeah. And that's but it, it proves in that yeah. moment as well. It's a self fulfilling prophecy, is what it is. Like for everything he tries to do to stop it from happening, he's making it happen more. Yeah. And, and that's why this film is just leagues 
leagues apart in terms of how it is and so uh, like question like we we me and you chris ages ago we ranked all the star wars movies and i think revenge of the sith is quite high on mine because of this and it's done a lot more you know a lot cleverer We've also got Anakin being refused the rank of master from the council as well, which he's been nothing but a dick throughout the entire Clone Wars, throughout everything. He's constantly going against orders from literally the first time we see him as a kid, he's just constantly going against orders and everything. He's going off destroying blockades and stuff like that. He's he's constantly doing the wrong thing and somehow coming out on the right side of shit. And he wonders why they don't grant him the rank of master. The way he's like that, it almost makes you question what would it have been like if Qui-Gon was his master? And how would he have done that different? Because Qui-Gon was always seen differently by the Council of having different viewpoints. And I always feel like that's how Anakin is sort of judged. Mm -hmm. But Anakin isn't as wise as Mm. Qui-Gon Jinn is. It's weird, because bringing it back to Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon was always the one who he would disagree with the Council. And then he would just do what he wanted anyway. Yeah. But he got away with it. So it's yeah. kind of weird because I guess Anakin's just disagreeing with the council. But It's almost like Anakin's in, had uh, such an... Qui-Gon's had such an impression on Anakin that it's like, well, this is it now. This is it. Yeah. That's what and I do. You, you notice as well, as soon as, like, as soon as Qui-Gon dies, like... Obi-Wan does start to take that role as well. Like, he disagrees with Yoda, and he's like, I'm going to train him regardless. Like, and Obi-Wan still does, like, disagree with the council, but he doesn't... He bites his tongue about it. He doesn't say it to the council. I think that's why Anakin gets in so much trouble, is because he will blur out what he's saying. He doesn't have a filter. Obi-Wan knows when to say stuff and when not to say stuff. I also just noticed that my autocorrect changed it to Kashyyyk and the Cookies instead of Kashyyyk and the Cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Kashyyyk and the Cookies is the name of my next band. It's also the biggest look we get at, um, at Wookiees in general. That world, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like the biggest thing we get of, of that that planet, so it's pretty And cool. the return of Chewbacca. And the return of Chewbacca, that was a nice little touch. We get Hello there. Remember Hello Chewbacca? there. I made it a point that that was the first thing I said to you on this podcast was hello there when introducing me. Because <laughs> that's how much I love that scene. General Kenobi. It just shows like how far Obi-Wan's become, come because he has the audacity just to drop on only him there and be like, how you doing? Hello there. Yeah, hello there. Hello there. The best part is he weighs it up before he jumps down. He thinks yeah. about it quite hard, and then he's like, nah, just, just go for I'm it. I'm doing this, yeah. yeah. The joke think, will pay off. Anakin rubbing off on him, I think is what that is. He's like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this young apprentice. <laughs> he's uh... <laughs> like, like, could you imagine, like, we nearly didn't get Luke getting trained in the way of the Jedi because Obi-Wan nearly killed himself multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> Have you ever heard about the tragedy of Jedi General Obi-Wan? Kenobi the stupid. The, Kenobi the clumsy. <laughs> yeah, Kenobi the clumsy, there we go. He just used to toss himself out a window as he went fighting an entire army by himself. Look, so we've touched a lot on the characters and stuff. We've touched a lot on, really. When I watched Revenge of the Sith back, I realised how much 
doesn't happen in this film, but it just happens very, very, very well. I think it's literally the halfway point of the film we get Order 66. That is pretty much bang halfway through it. So it yeah. moves When I checked quick. the timestamp today, I was surprised by how early everything happens. Yeah, it does move In fact, fast. I, was watching a, I was watching it today. I was making dinner, so if work, listen, I have been watching Star Wars while working, but... It's okay because I got my work done, but we'll I went down. We'll, they'll take it out yeah, in the edit. It's all right. <laughs> they never listen this far in. Um, but I was making dinner and uh, I told Jess, I was like, hope you don't mind. I've got this on. Explain what I was doing. And she went, all right. I went, there's not long left anyway. It's almost finished. Order 66 is happening. Clicked it. And now we're left. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, it's mad. That's what I mean. It's like, there's not as much that happens, but it's just done really well it's just done really mm. really well does that happen on the 66th minute of the film that's something we need to check because it's around the hour mark isn't it it is around the hour mark oh, what yeah. if it's the 66th minute Could that would imagine? be amazing oh geez i wish there was more of it though because it's almost just montaged that's my only criticism yeah. about this film yeah i wish not that i want to see jedi die but i'd have more care for it yeah, I mean, it does It does a job of, like, bouncing between all the planets to give you an idea of scale. But this, yeah. that's why I don't want to touch on it because I don't want to say which properties it happens in. But <laughs> it happens in other stuff, right? Yeah. And it makes much more of a big deal about it in those things that makes it hit harder. And... I'd say questionably, the way you get Order 66 and Revenge of the Sith is the lightest that you get it. It is. It's, it is. It hits you a lot harder in every other Star Wars property where Order 66 happens. I think I think also, if you watch The Clone Wars, which we talk about it a lot, but it happens in between two of these films. Like It's seven seasons of a show that happens between two of these films. It's important to the story. But you start to really connect with all of these other jedi that you see like kit fistu doesn't even get a line he's in two shots of the film and then he dies and like i remember we had the 2d clone wars show when we were kids and kit fistu had the best episode of that with the underwater fight with his underwater lightsaber and everything and you get episodes with kit fistu in the clone wars and then he just gets killed off so unceremoniously he doesn't even take a strike towards darth sidious it's because Disney love dead parents and dead parental figures, but most of the content that we've got from Star Wars and the Expanded Universe since Disney have had it, they're all like Padawans whose masters died in Order 66. Like We've had like seven different characters that I could probably name right now, which have all had their masters killed during Order 66. Yeah. There's like four novels about it, like major characters in other... Star Wars properties of all had the masters killed in Order Six. Doesn't that six like? Doesn't that show the scope of like how often they're taking on these apprentices though? That they can keep up with the Jedi masters, but then all of a sudden like, there's a new Jedi apprentice. Let him get away because we don't know. That's Anakin's job to thin out the ranks when he turns turns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of all those younglings so they don't start a new Jedi order. But just to round up the Order sixty six thing as well, it's not just the Jedi; it's the clones too. Most clones are not called by numbers, they're called by names and stuff, and the commanders, and they build up Cody. Big, big rapport and stuff. You know, you got Commander Cody with General, with General Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi is, a, is one that you see in there. 
But you've got mm-hmm. to think, like in the Clone Wars series at the beginning, you've got like Fives, Rex, Echo. You've got all those guys and stuff. You've yeah. got all the. You've got to think like there's ones in training facilities with and all sorts of stuff. There's it. They build these relationships up with troopers that are loyal to them, and then all of a sudden they just like turn around and just just do it without saying anything. Like just just literally a flick of a switch. So it is. That's what makes it that much more hard hitting, I suppose. Yeah. It hits even more when you see Commander Cody give Obi Wan Kenobi his lightsaber back. He goes up this rock, and then all of a sudden, you've got Wrinkly Man and Propalpatine on on my uh, face, yeah, on my disc, and then it's like execute order sixty six. Yeah, I know what that is. See you later, pal. Yeah, Yeah. it's literally, it's literally so crazy. Just the flick of a switch, the the twist, and not the twist because you know it happens, but the scope of how it happens. I think when you when you know the expanded universe as well, like we see throughout the Clone Wars, they're going out doing all these missions, all these different excursions, and everyone starts to really care for it, like the clones and like especially the named ones, like they become like a small family, like the five hundred first battalion become like a close family and stuff. But then like you're like, why would they just turn on everyone? But they've got an inhibitor chip in the head, haven't they? Yeah. So this is what I didn't want to Which touch. Makes on. them do yeah. it. <laughs> So, oh, that's quite interesting. Yeah, it's actually put into them from uh, children yeah. when they're being bred in the cloning facility. They have. So I imagine that was something that was put in when the order of the clones yeah. was put mm-hmm. in. The Kame- um, the Kaminan cloners knew about it. That's how deep it goes. Jesus. So this yeah. uh, this was put in place like ten years before Attack of the Clones when the order was put mm. in. Mm. Go watch Clone Wars, the TV series. Oh, it's, I'm 100 it's, it's so doing good. It, it touches I'm on doing this. It. Yeah, it's Are very, you sponsored by them? Because no, the I'm amount we spoke about them. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. Like, there's parts of the TV series for me that beats the films. Like, for an animated show, like you would think, oh, it's going to be so childish. It's like it's going to be so hard. But it goes really dark. It's really, really cool. There's a reason why Ahsoka Tana is one of the fan favorite mm. characters nowadays. Yeah. See, even I know who that is. Yeah. I have seen a clip of Yoda and um, some clones out and they're on a mission, and that hooked me straight away. I, just, I don't know the details of what, but yeah, yeah. I am going to watch it. We're currently on season seven, and this is like the last bit, and I've been talking Chris's ear off for ages about <laughs> it. But these last, the last four episodes are done in parts, and it's the first time they put the Lucasfilm logo in front of the episodes. Right. And I tell you, it's like they've just shoved the budget into these last four. It's like four parts of a film. It's so wicked. But let's let's wrap up Revenge of the Sith because we've literally got a few more bits to talk about. Right. Because after Order 66, we pretty much get straight to Mustafar. You get, I was about to say, we land on Mustafar. Yeah, you get, we Kenobi's, get Kenobi's killed Grievous. That, that's about as short yeah. and what it needs to be. It was very quick, yeah. Very quick. So uncivilized. Very much a weak point though very much a weak point underneath mm. makes you wonder how he yeah. survives all that time in the clone wars i'm telling you yeah ha- ha- just have a big <laughs> gap in the middle of your chest which is just where your heart is perfect for a blaster shot yeah yeah all um, that time upgrading and you can't just put something in the way of it it's yeah. like the death star why do you have one big hole that leads <laughs> to your central reactor core <laughs> so we could talk for a bit about the sidious versus yoda fight but that's nothing in comparison to no, the it's not. versus it's, it's a nice fight. parallel because it does jump back and forth and you can see similarities in what's going on. Mm, mm. But like you say, the what takes the show is Anakin and Obi. I'm going to say that is the best lightsaber fight in the whole Skywalker saga. Yep. 
Oh, 100% agree. 100%. Because it's it's got the emotion to back it up. It's got the soundtrack. It's got the impact. It's got the soundtrack. It's got the sound. It's like, got the lead up to it. That converse, that 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 engagement I, they have. I was about to say like we've been like dripping into the cheesy dialogue. And yes, this dialogue when it's taken individually is cheesy, but it works in this moment because they're actually emoting, they're actually acting like like these moments hit. It's just there, like in my new empire, your new empire. <laughs> that would be so cheesy, yeah, but that, it lands yeah. and it works. You turned her against me. Like the pure rage and like his eyes are going all red and distorted. And it's, oh, it's yeah. so good. The whole your new empire bit is like Obi Wan just being like, "What? <laughs> <It's> like, what? <laughs> are you cracked, bro? <laughs> that guy has got so in your head, man. Have you seen his face? He's got Sith Lord written all over it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah and it, like you down. get the epic fight like it just goes on for so long and you get the iconic moments like the lava flute behind him while they've got hold of each other's lightsabers and everything like i remember memorizing that fight choreography as a kid and acting it out with my mates like <laughs> that was the best goddamn lightsaber fight i've ever seen it, was it is like, the yeah. the environment it's in as well makes yeah. it and it's so it's cinematic and yeah Darth Vader's castle in the future is there. It's like where he's lost Padme. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it, you, let's just remember they have that little force push fight off before yeah. they even get to the lava fields. It's like, it's just, it's just, these are all the good ideas. These, these, yeah. So, someone's not been paid enough. <laughs> it's, like, it's like somebody finally like sat George Lucas down and was like, let me take a look at the draft of your script and get rid of all the shit <laughs> first before you start <laughs> shooting. <laughs> Like, I just watched just Attack of the Clones, bits. let me check. I mean, yeah, they did yeah. get a lot of criticism leading up to this, so this was the film where they had to nail it. It kind of, in my opinion, it maybe did a little bit of the reverse of what the sequel trilogy did. I liked The Force Awakens. I liked The Last Jedi more. I think yeah. that was my favourite because it was so different to what we got. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like they were trying to do fan service that much by The Rise of Skywalker that they made mistakes, where I feel like with the prequels they did fan service the right way in revenge of the sith they got it right and it's yeah, yeah it, it's it's wicked man i'd love to see Anakin, um hayden christensen and obi-wan on screen together again like yeah, i know 100 it's going to be so difficult it, it, it probably won't happen but live in action this, clone wars <laughs> live action clone wars or um if we got something something in this obi-wan tv series Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader a couple times in that. Bit of a broken mask. Get get a bit of Hayden yeah. Christensen in yeah. there. Bring him back. People want him back. Everyone wants him. No, yeah, everyone this likes is, him again. This now. is where he justifies his Anakin role and you go, yeah, I, I fully buy into it. People wanted him in Rise of Skywalker. People were <laughs> yeah. gutted that we didn't get Anakin, Hayden Christensen, in Rise of Skywalker. It's like, just listen to the people. Put him in there. Get him giving Kylo a pep talk. This isn't what you should be doing. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, forget forget. Like maybe Harrison instead Ford. of him just seeing Han, maybe he sees Han and Vader. Like, he sees Anakin as well. There's someone you need to talk to, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
Ooh. Especially because they put such an emphasis on Darth Vader's mask throughout the sequel. Trilogy. We'll talk about that in the episode yeah, three. We'll, <laughs> we'll, bl- we'll, we'll finish up. Well, let's let's wrap up Rise. Of, uh, Rise I'm of running low on phone battery here, yeah. guys. <laughs> right, let's wrap up Revenge of the Sith. So yeah, the lightsaber duel is wicked. The end of the film. You were a brother to me. Let's let's <laughs> polish off the last little bit. You get Anakin's transformation into Vader. It's cool. Yeah. The no is, is. a bit. The no is a bit hit and miss. No. <laughs> However, the emotions there allow it. The guy yeah. is just—he has just, just lost. Yeah, yeah. The guy's just someone. lost his arms and legs, and probably the use of his normal voice. So, <laughs> the, the one thing I didn't like about this ending was the fact that they were like, "Oh yeah, Padme's just given up the will to live." You've just given birth to two beautiful twins. You don't give up the will to live just because your boyfriend tried to choke you. Like they should have just said. She's she got choked too much. Just say that, like, say that Anakin killed her. It was, and that the makes force. the tragedy even worse. Instead of just being like, "Oh, she's given up the will to live." That's mm. the one thing I didn't like about this ending. So, when a woman has a child, there is a chemical released in the brain that stops you from seeing the child as protein and eat and need to survive. It's like goes back to caveman time, so you would protect the child, so no. No animal would come and eat it or you'd eat it out of starvation. That shows how heartless she is. That she just goes, let him starve. I'm <laughs> Matt's done. on a proper like, anti-Padme train with these prequels. Oh, 100%. She, <laughs> like... she runs a sex ring. She's grooming children. And then is happy to see them die and starve. <laughs> Kira Knightley was better. <laughs> <laughs> And on that bombshell, if you had asked twelve-year-old me who was better, I definitely would have said Kira Knightley. <laughs> Riding high on those Pirates of the Caribbean films, I would have. That's been a different you. episode. <laughs> Speaking of Padme, there is that bit of the funeral where she's got the necklace that Anakin gives yeah. her in the first one. That hit me a little bit when I first it's a nice watched little, this. yeah, ni- nice reference back there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You see you're wearing it a lot actually in the third one, don't you? And Anakin even references it. Yeah. You get um Qui-Gon is able to communicate through the force, that comes back, Yoda puts him in touch with him. Again, watch the Clone Wars TV series to get a bit more on that. That's all I'm saying. Ooh, okay. I won't say you where it is, I'm just gonna say it's explained a <laughs> bit more. Um <laughs> And also, this, uh, this entire episode was just a promo for season seven of Clone Wars. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is out. It is available on Disney Plus. They're not paying me to say this. I think you should just go watch it. Sam's paying to say Look this. Sam's that. paying for Disney Plus. <laughs> you can't pay me to say this, Disney. If that's if <laughs> Disney, if you want to sponsor the podcast, we will take it. Yeah, I can retire. <laughs> <laughs> Give us that Disney money. We've been employed by you <laughs> once Disney before, money. but that's a different story. We actually did get a twenty p pay packet from Disney one time, but that's a different story. That's that, before the podcast. That's a very long story for another time. Man. We'll tell you after the podcast. Oh, I need to know this. Um, but yeah, um, what more do you need, Disney? We've had script suggestions or. And Clone Wars repetitively said for two and a half hours. And we also think the movies that you did weren't as good. So Yeah. <laughs> Except for The Last Jedi, we'll defend that one to our dying yeah. breath. The TV we series like are good. TV series are good. Yeah. Um, you okay. also, yeah, sorry, the last little scene. So we've talked about the Vader transformation, we talked about the Qui-Gon, we talked about Padme's funeral. The last little bit you get on this before we go back to Tatooine is Vader as full Vader with the Emperor watching the um, construction of the Death Star, which is very cool. You get Tarkin in this. I was chatting with Chris before when I was just watching the last few minutes of it, and I was like, is that meant to be Tarkin? Yeah, it is. 
Yeah. My go. only issue is he looks the same age there as he does 20 years later. <laughs> and he looks like he was about to croak in that final scene. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he looks too old. Like they, they should have de-aged him a little bit. It's a, But this it's was a, before de-aging was happening. Fine jawline. That's that's all it is. It's a, <laughs> it's a it's a distinctive head, isn't it? Yeah. You're not mixing up talking anywhere else. Look, guys, that's the end of my notes. Has anyone else got yeah. anything else for? I Avengers was literally or? just about to say we go on to Star Wars or Star Wars. That's probably where we go with this. Star Wars, clearly. Star, yeah, I agree. Star, Star Wars. Wars all around. This, this is the best prequel. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. So my next question was going to be, should we rank the prequels? But I think we've all agreed that it's Clone Wars, Phantom Menace, Revenge of the Sith. 100%. Nice and easy. So we're not going to rank these. I'm going to ask you, Matt. Matt's person. Okay. One of one of three Matts. We're going to ask each of you at the end of these long conversations to rate your top three Star Wars movies, not just in this trilogy. But across okay, all of them. So, what's so your perfect? I can trilogy? do anything. Ideally, it could be any of the Skywalker saga films, so one through to nine, and you can also choose Rogue One or Solo as well if you want to. Any of the canon stories. Yeah. Okay, great. No Ewok adventures. I know you're going to say <laughs> it. And no Christmas specials, no holiday specials. <laughs> this is the whole reason I came on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith is number one. Very cool. That's why I'm defending the prequels. Uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, actually, I'm tempted to say Empire. Mm. I'm, I'm saying Empire. Okay. okay. And Rogue One. Yeah, because Rogue One, you, you had The Force Awakens out, which I got really annoyed in the cinema. Because to me, I just saw the same story. I saw through the shiny new droid and all that. But Rogue One was a story I sort of knew, but I never got to see. So I, I you know, really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's a respectable top three. I've got one question for you. Oh, okay. Because we had so many Jedi in this, other than Anakin, Obi-Wan, or Yoda, who was your favourite Jedi in the prequels? Ki-Adi Mundi, Asajj Ventress, now she's a Sith. <laughs> Mace Windu. Mace Windu. Mace Windu. Nice. 100%. Just cool. for What's the audacity of having the purple lightsaber. He walks, he walks the bit of a line, Mace Windu, as well. He's like a little bit in the grey side of the Jedi, so it's a respectable okay. choice. It's a respectable choice. You know? I think I spoke too much about Kit Fisto. Everyone knows that's probably my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Barissa Faye, Luminara. I'm going to uh, vote Plo Koon. Plo Koon, another he's, good one. He's the guy... I've got to do more research here. His uh, starfighter gets shot down in Order sixty six. He's got like with the with the mask. And yeah, I know stuff. exactly who you mean. Yeah, yeah, very good general in the Clone Wars. That's uh, that's the nerdiest thing I'm going to say in this. And on that note, we're going to wrap this podcast up. Um, Matt, do you want to tell us where we can find an airful podcast? Yeah, it's at an airful podcast everywhere. Just type it into Google. I'm sure you're competent enough to do it. We've had previous guests like Def Havana. Sean Smith from the Blackout and Sapnin Podcast and a bunch of other amazing bands. It's worth listening to if you like music. And where can people find you as well, Matt? Oh, at Dwums on Instagram is probably the most used one. D W U M S S. Very cool. You do a bit of music I used to play drums. as well, don't you? You do like some electronic stuff. Yeah, I fiddle around with synthesizers and pretend to make music. That's pretty <laughs> much what I do. 
And then, because I can't do that very well, I talk to people about it on the podcast. Nice. Look, it's been nice not having to finish off telling people, I mean, we're going to have to do this anyway, but not telling people where to find us straight away. It's been nice to (laughs) have someone on. It's weird when you said, where can people find me? I thought... Why would they want to? But maybe you I'm can. Not giving uh, away my address on the podcast, guys. I'm so my postcode that. is. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah before you do, just... do you know what I'd love to see in Star Wars, which is probably in the Clone Wars? Go on. I'd like to see Darth Vader in his prime and actually like plowing down people, which okay. I don't know if you do get to see. Uh, you need uh, to rebels, you need... rebels. You get a bit okay. of that in rebels. Yeah. Okay. Qui Gon Jinn being this all-powerful master that we know he is, but we just see the end of it. And, and we need a prequel series then. Yeah. Yeah, a prequel, prequel series. I'd have. Why yeah. Gonjin a Star Wars story? Do yeah. it. Hey. Who would you cast? That. Who would you cast? Do you what? reckon Liam Neeson could still do a younger Qui Gon? Uh, yeah. We've all we've all uh, seen him in Taken 3 where it took 15 edits to get him over a fence. <laughs> did it really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I disregard those films. I think he's just a bad father to begin with. So, <laughs> <laughs> right and to to wrap it up, just to echo what Chris said, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Matt. You've been a great, great. Thank guest you for having on. me. I've uh, I've loved it. It's nice to be a guest on one, actually. Yeah, Amazing. and after trilogy of episodes, we're going to be ranking which Matt is the best from an airful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. I want to know who's right because I'm going to listen to the other two. And I want everyone to know I had the hardest job defending these. <laughs> like we said at the beginning, I think whoever needs to defend Rise of Skywalker's got a hard job as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I That's agree. true. I don't think it's going to get defended. I think they're just going to agree with us. Yeah. I'd like to say I'm probably the most prepared and I'd like to say I know a bit more about Star Wars than them two. Not Excellent. To, I, I could be wrong, but I know Lund's, uh, Lund's defense is Adam Driver and that's it, so... <laughs> I already Thanks know so I've won. Cool. So we've started off on a high then. <laughs> okay. Thank you for having me. It's been brilliant. It's been a pleasure. No, it's been awesome. So uh don't forget you can check out Get Real Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's simply at Get Real Pod. You can also email us over at getrealpoduk at gmail.com. Let us know any topics. Obviously, over the next few weeks we're gonna be talking Star Wars, so that's gonna pretty much fill that up. But once it comes to June, we might get some movie releases and we can talk about something else. Uh Chris, where can people check out the podcast? You can check out the podcast pretty much everywhere you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, leave us a favourite, leave us a review, five stars. Spotify, follow us on there. iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, literally everywhere. And also, we are available on YouTube, where we have a video version of the podcast. We don't have cameras yet, but that is something coming in the future. And yes, thank you very much for listening. Little other thing, um, if anyone who's listening on a podcast likes podcasts go to pod chaser and leave a review for get real it should give it everywhere podchaser.com it just lets well, you review loads of podcasts awesome it's what worth it i'll link it to you but it's brilliant go use it this brilliant. is why we brought him on guys cool you heard him go ahead and do it thank you very much and we'll see you next time thank you bye bye <laughs>